Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Oh, welcome in here. Brian, though, and Brendan King on the fan. I got a question for you, Brendan. Who is a faster talker? Is it Buddy Heald? Very fast talker. And I like listening to him. This is not a knock, but he talks fast. Um, Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets, Ooh. fast talker. Fast. Is there any other fast talking athlete that you would put above Buddy and Jamal Murray? Every European hockey player. <laughs> now are they speaking fast or does, does it just seem fast uh, no for some reason the swedes and the Finns talk really fast and, and the italian well my grandparents are from italy um and they still speak broken english even though they came over to the states in 1952 so you really got to keep up with them but i do know what you're saying about buddy healed and then to end there matt painter with the coach speak of all coach speak my first ever manager in professional baseball, Scott Little, his like mantra, you would always tell the team, you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. And then you win the mm-hmm. first one. You can't win them all if you don't win the second one. We won four in a row to start the year. You can't win them all if you win the third one. So love it from Coach Payne. There he is. Uh, we do have opportunities to begin the show here. Now we have to do this at the top because, Jimmy, we got hoops about to tip off right here. So you are in on, and you too, Brendan, at least a a selection, right? A a pick here. You guys are on Rutgers to take down the Wolverines in the Big Ten tournament. That game screams Rutgers. It just screams Screams. it. Okay. I'm in on it. You guys have convinced me. I've I've dipped my big toe in the Scarlet Knights waters over here. It's going to be one of those just quintessential classic Big Ten rock fights that you get on a nightly basis, but it's in the United Center on the brightest stage at noon. Come on, Brian. (laughs) Get get behind the train. I will be honest, a lot of the models do have this as a toss-up. I'm really going Steve Peichel over Juwan Howard in this matchup, if we're being honest. So I'm taking the Scarlet Knights. That's the real, real needle mover for me. But Vegas reflects it as almost a toss up. You can still get plus 125 on the Scarlet Knights. I'll tell you what. One thing that makes a rock fight even more enjoyable is if you bet the under. That's the only way I really believe to make an ugly game just picturesque, just beautiful. Turnovers, clanged shots, just not even hitting the rim. You're like, this is beautiful, like taking a shot at the end of the shot clock. I'm in on two of them. I've got, let's see, I've got the U. I've got Miami in the first half. Need them over 39.5 points, their team total. I'm also in on Marquette. I think Marquette and the Johnnies. We just saw Marquette and St. John's almost score 100 apiece against each other within the last week. So I'm on Marquette over 40 and a half. Little saucy, little high for a normal first half team total, but I like both of those bets here today. And those games are tipping off right now. You've been on the team totals the last couple days. Is that usually your specialty go to? I, I do like some of the team totals, man. Like one of my recipes is if you get to this part in the year and an offense averages well into the 70s and a defense gives up points into the 70s, I I oftentimes like a first-half team total over. It's a decent method. It's worked a handful of times, even in this uh, conference tournament season. So, yeah, I'll play that every now and then, Brendan. 
Well, I love it. I mean, it, you think about it from a IU and a Purdue perspective as well. Double buys for both clubs. So, I mean, this is this is why the double buy ends up helping you because one would think that this Michigan Rutgers game is about to be really, really physical. They're going to beat the crap out of each other, and then you get to the weekend, and that's the benefit of playing late in your conference tournament that you might get a team on their heels and then you can take advantage of that. So even though we really can't talk about the Hoosiers or Purdue from a game perspective today, uh, that's huge that you get some teams beaten down on each other. I can help you. Yeah, it's always the rest rust thing. You know, I always find it interesting. We always talk about that in the NFL, right? If you're resting in week 18, does that hurt you when the playoffs roll around? If you win, it's like, oh, the rest helped. If you lose, it's, well, you're rusty. Like, automatically, that's the way it's taken. But it's the same thing in these conference tournaments where, think about Miami. They're playing right now. This is the first game of the tournament. You had Wake Forest beat Syracuse yesterday. So it's like, do you see Wake get a little bit tired? Or did they have more flow than Miami? So we'll find out. I always think that's enjoyable. You know, we'll circle back to the Colts here in a second because there are some uh, new details. Read a bunch of stuff about maybe the Colts making a move for old Lamar Jackson over there. But let's start with this. I just mentioned Syracuse. Jim Beheim and Syracuse lost yesterday to Wake Forest. And Jim Beheim is stepping down or shoved out the door, depending on how you look at it. But after 47's, 47 seasons as Syracuse head coach, Jim Beheim is no longer, even though he has... Five Final Four appearances, one national championship, 46 winning seasons out of 47, which is pretty remarkable, but no more Jim Beheim at Cuse. I didn't think we'd ever see the day, to, to be honest with you. And, you know, Jim had that last run when the tournament was here with Syracuse. I was listening to Kevin and John yesterday evening, and I thought Kevin made a good point that Jim Beheim got really, really old guy complainy over the last few years. I, I don't know if some off-the-court stuff had something to do with it, but he was always making headlines of clapping back at Syracuse student newspaper writers, which I get Coach K did late in his career, too. Maybe that's just an old coach thing where you get whiny and you don't want to deal with 18-year-old newspaper writers. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I, I think it was time for Jim Beheim get a new voice in there. You know, his son had already passed through the program, but he was a great player. But, I mean, the runs and the players that went through Syracuse, especially in the old Big East, man. I know, Brian, you're a South Bend guy. I grew up a diehard Notre Dame basketball fan. So I was at the Syracuse-Notre Dame game where Kyle McElarney set the all-time Notre Dame threes record against Syracuse in in the Joy Center. And that was a, just a sick environment. But, you know, Jim Beheim has seen everything in the college game. I can't believe it's over, but it's going to be weird turning on an ACC game next year and Jim is not patrolling the sidelines, no? Yeah, it will be a, a huge change. We've seen that with a few programs. No more Roy Williams with North Carolina. We've got Hubert Davis over there. The biggest one would be no Coach K, John Shire over there. So uh, what Duke has done this season is what Syracuse will do next season. I don't know what the over-under is on uh, Brendan yelling at me today, Jimmy, but I might say something here that I don't know. There might be a little bit of venom. I'm I mean, not you, sure. you earned it yesterday, brother. But that's what okay. would you what would you put at it, uh, Jimmy? What would you put? We're at twelve oh nine right now. What what do you think the uh, 
the time is when when I get Brendan to turn colors. As, as, as turn the, as, turn as, colors. As, as the producer of the show and as kind of uh, a Sweden or, or Switzerland-like uh-huh. mentality here, I would argue there was a lot of yelling by both parties yesterday. So uh-huh. I'll set the over-under for a, a mutual yelling match at about 12-12. Uh, 12-12, <laughs> okay. So three minutes from yes. now? Okay. What do you got? So here's what I think about Jim Beheim. okay? Uh, I'm not a Syracuse fan, by the way, so I don't, I don't know you're going to trickle my Fantastic feathers. Fantastic career, but five Final Four appearances. Okay, this isn't just a Jim Beheim thing. This is more so a college basketball thing. I understand that making the Final Four is a big deal. I do get that. I just don't understand why it is adored and put on a pedestal to the degree that it is. It's just so weird. If you compare it to other sports, it just doesn't work even close to the same way. This is probably a bad comparison, but just for it to sort of like sync up. Shane Steichen is the new head coach of the Colts, right? If Shane Steichen is with the Colts, suspend you know reality for a second. If he's with the Colts for 47 years, okay, he makes it to the AFC title game five times, and he has one Super Bowl. No one's going to be sitting there like, well, five final four appearances for Shane Steichen. We're going to be like, one ring? That's one ring, huh? It's just weird to me how we just genuflect in front of, oh, we're not worthy, the final four. It's just, it's too much in college basketball. That, that's just the way it goes. It's not like that in any other sport or any other level. Right, and that's why in the NFL there's not a 68-team tournament. It's a lot harder to make the Final Four in college hoops than... Oh, it's the- way easier. Are you kidding me? Way easier. I, th- I think, let's see... 12, Brian, you're missing 11, the point, brother. 12, 11. It's so much easier. Look at a one seed why don't you go coach? Why don't you go fill in for Bayheim at Syracuse, then? And go so, coach so college if, basketball. If you're a one seed in college basketball and you get your first round layup, you get a favorable second round matchup, you might play two decent opponents. Decent? Like, that's harder than making it to the title game in the NFL Brian, after an 18 would, game season like you would not want to be talking to the great Bob Lovell right now because he would be lighting you up a new one about, about it's easy to win in March I'm sorry man I can't I, I, I can't get on it's that easy. I never said you, you said it's you easier can't twist my words it's way easier I didn't say it's easy there's a big difference well it depends on Brian I think right what seed and perspective you're coming from like I agree with you yes a one seed is going to have the easier path but the reason and it's all about program pedigree and expectation right like if you are a an indiana or a duke or ucla you're not raising and pumping your chest as much as you would for a final four like a a a butler or a marquette or a uh, a ruckers might do if you make that run yes if you're the one seed definitely it's it's an easier conversation compared to a an nfl one through seven but if you're a six seed or a seven seed and you're a team that doesn't have championship expectations it's a gauntlet depending on your draw to be able to make the final four and i think that's why it's more celebrated but it does vary program to program see i i've had a feeling you guys would be the college basketball protectors you know here's no, do me. you not agree with that though like that it varies program to program and in, in, in by seating position sure but you could say the same thing about the nfl playoffs if no, you, you are, can't. Yeah, you can't. If you're a one seed and you get a buy, that's a huge benefit toward getting to Championship Sunday to be one of the final four teams. If you're a seven seed 
and you got to play a couple of road games against a couple of really tough opponents just to get to championship Sunday is a much different path. So it works the same way in the NFL too. You're comparing apples to oranges though. And I realize you prefaced it by saying it's not the best example, but I just don't know where we're going here that March Matt, It's a completely different thing. If you make five final fours in 47 years, there's probably something left to be desired but when you're in a 68-team tournament, Brian, there's four teams out of those 68 that go. Yeah, and half of them are garbage. That half is of, egregious. Really? Half the teams <laughs> in the NCAA tournament are trash. Half of them. I would love for you to go up to a coach in the NCAA tournament and tell them that their team is trash. <laughs> well, I, I'm probably not going to do that, but they are. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk and say it to someone's face. Uh, it's just unnecessary, but it's the truth. So what's your measurable then for long-term success at the college level, particularly in basketball? Are you saying that it, if you're saying Final Fours are overvalued, you're saying right. the only thing that should be appreciated and valued is hanging the real one, winning it all? Well, I think that's obviously what matters the most. I'm just surprised that the Final Four like is as meaningful as it is. I get that it's meaningful. I get that. But to have it be, oh, this guy, five Final Four appearances. Uh, okay, cool. He won one ring. Like, imagine if, uh, look at Mike McCarthy as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys now. He's got one ring. He's been to I don't think you can compare football to college hoops, though, Brian. Fine, uh, pay, compare it to the NBA if that's really screwing you up over here. You can't. It it's its NBA. own thing. There's no cool. other okay, There's listen, no listen. other hold sport. On, hold on, hold there's on, no other on. sport that think has a 68-team tournament, Brian. Who cares? Think about the I NBA. I do. You said who Look. cares a lot over the last two days. Okay. Cool. I do. Okay, so the NBA, basketball. All right, different setup, not 68 teams. You have best of seven series. It's tough to get to being one of the final four teams. We don't celebrate that at all, at all, especially if you're one of the lower teams since you guys like to talk about the path in the NCAA tournament. Take a, a six seed, a five seed, a team that doesn't have home court in the NBA playoffs to win two best of seven series just to get to the final four is a tough thing. No one cares. No one cares if you're just one of the final four teams and make it. I to think your a lot of people in this country care if you make the final four. Are there banners being hung? I mean, yes, I Butler is two of them. Butler in the Butler? NBA. In the NBA. If you want to quantify it from an NBA level nationally, Brian, I agree with you. It doesn't get the same like rep and pub in the NBA example, but franchise to franchise, it's the same thing. There's an Eastern Conference finalist banner at Banker or at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Like it, it, it varies team to team are the Lakers doing that no probably not <laughs> but 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 again that's just it's it's all about expectations where you've been the market you are like if, if the Thunder and I don't know this for a fact but I would assume if the Thunder with their Western Conference Finals and NBA Finals appearances I would assume there's banners up there I know for a fact there are in Gamebridge I can't speak to every other market because I haven't been to every other stadium locally it matters more I think than the national conversation and to your NFL point is it is it blown up as much? No. Is it as big of a Hall of Fame candidate aspect of it? No. But you look at Andy Reid for the longest time. Obviously, now he has two Super Bowls, but the biggest part of his resume and the national talking point was, hey, five or four NFC championship games. Always there, but then that turns into the always the bridesmaid, never the bride narrative that follows a lot of these yeah. coaches. So I, I just I think it's a very fascinating conversation, but I, I think it's variable sport to sport, what of kind of is. emphasis is there? Does yeah. it matter more in college basketball? Yes, but I also think that 
maybe it's maybe it's been ingrained in us by the NCAA, but there's always been since I've been alive an emphasis on being one of those final four teams because of the grind of a college basketball season. Yeah. I'm just saying it's completely overrated. Like, it, nice accomplishment. That's cool. You're one of the final four teams, but it's would you retain a coach so based on that? Like, let, let's say you're at. I, I, we can't go too big, right? Because I don't want to say Duke because I understand their expectations are sky high. Let's say you're at mm, NC State for the sake of argument, and you've made it to uh, three Final Fours over an eight-year period. You're, you're retaining that coach, right? That's going to value into it. Yeah, of course. Like it, it matters. I get all that. It's just I, I would compare it to think about we just had the World Cup, you know? Yeah. And when you have the weird third place game, it's like, why are we even doing this? You know what I mean? Like, why, why are we having the third place match? And OK, whatever. Shrug your shoulders. It's just different in that sport. But it's like how that is treated where you're like, why, why are they even playing if it's not for the whole ball of wax over here? We have such a different attitude toward the World Cup third place game as we do. Hey, you just made it to the final four. Okay, cool. You're either the third or the fourth team. If you lost your first game, didn't make it to the championship game, but hang a banner. This is awesome. We're going to have a parade. It's just, it's weird, man. I think that a lot of people just go along with it because it's the way it's always been done. And if you don't stop and think about it, you just are like, wow, what an accomplishment. If you stop and think, it's like, okay, it is. It's a nice accomplishment, but it's over-celebrated. Way over the top, I think. The World Cup is over-celebrated? No, being a Final Four team in college basketball. I mean, I, man, people get into that because people love raising banners, and that's special for a school. It's a school thing. It's not for to please the national media. It's when you walk into Hinkle Fieldhouse – and you see 2010 and 2011, people that graduated in 1950 and 1960 can reflect back on that. It's celebrated for the school, and it's a school selling point. So, okay, Jim Beheim, five Final Fours in 47 years. That's fine. That's fine. But it's a school-celebrated thing, man. And if the national media can't get on board with it, I could care less. It's a celebrated school thing, and it brings a campus together. I hear a fight song in the background of what you just delivered right there. I, I don't know. I hear like a I hear I hear the pom poms waving from the cheerleaders of we've got school spirit. Yes, we do. That's what I hear with that whole spiel right there. I think but, if you hey. polled twenty coaches in college basketball, any any ranking you want, and, and that includes Duke, what Final Four matter? How much is Final Four? banners matter to you or how much is making the final four matter to you mm-hmm. obviously national championship is going to be number one but number two it easily is making a final four not just because of like you and i and brendan are saying that yeah it's it, it, is it a varying degree program to program sure but what it matters to a coach and what it matters to their legacy i i think is still a strong selling point being a national semifinalist. Because yeah. even though the programs might be trash, in your words, not mine, uh, uh, higher seed to lower seed, it, we have upsets all the time. We have Cinderella stories all the time. And to be able to outlast that many games in that short amount of time and be one of the final four of a 64 team field, I don't know. I think it deserves the recognition it gets. I wouldn't say it's overblown. Brian, you also totally have to remember, overblown. you have to remember, these are 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids. Yeah, I know. The, no. Th- I know. No. Sound the th- harps. Let's th- get no. the harps in no. here. This th- is no. Listen, this majestic. is the moment of their lives uh-huh. that they'll re- Where'd you go to school, Brian? The ball is tipped. Where'd you go Do to school? Have- I went to Ball State. All right, at Ball State, your memories when you were 18, 19, and 20, do you hold them close to your heart? 
your no, experience not, in college? That's no, the problem because you don't appreciate that portion <laughs> of your life. These are 18, 19, and 20-year-old kids that are making runs. And you know what? When they walk in a uh, stadium and they see that banner, they're uh-huh. going to reflect back. No. When they they, they're going to reflect back. They're going to wipe tears. They're going to they're reflect te- back to the joy. guys that they knew the 40, guys 50 in the years ago. That stood yeah, shoulder and the to coach that was with them forever. Yes. This is amateur to professional sports. You're comparing amateur to professional sports. It makes no sense. Oh, it makes no sense. Yes. It's overblown. It's you are what I'm talking about. You're one of these people that are just like, this is just amazing. It's a nice accomplishment. It's not amazing. It's a moment. It's an important moment in young people's lives. You bring up your alma mater. Maybe you don't care as I don't know how old you are, Brian. Maybe you don't care at this point in your life, but kids do. Every sport, it works that way. There's nothing different about being 18 and holding special memories. There absolutely is. No, there's nothing different. There absolutely is. They're not making forty million dollars. There's nothing different than being a 35 year old NFL player who made it to Championship Sunday for the first time. And of course, when you're in your 50s and 60s, you're going to reflect back fondly on those memories. It works the same way. You don't have to just be 18 or 19 in college to think fondly about those times. I it did not that say that. Different Who hurts you, Brian? No. Who hurts you in college no, that you I, don't appreciate this? No, is it because Ball State stunk? Is it because Ball State stunk? I don't know. Is it because oh, oh, they didn't have oh. as good of an experience? Maybe careful, if you went careful, to a different school? Careful. Ball State is... Whew. You talk about a soft spot in my heart. Ball State, man, don't say anything bad about Ball State or I'm going to go ballistic. No, I don't care. I don't care. I didn't care about going there. It's just like, it's a school, okay? I love Notre Dame football. I hold that close. Yeah, exactly. That experience. Yeah, but it's just a school to me. Like, it's whatever. But that experience, don't you remember the times when ND was good when you were younger and you appreciate that? I still appreciate it when they're good. I appreciate it like crazy. You got me misdiagnosed. Like you think, I don't know what you think, but I'm just sitting here telling you. I'm just saying it's the difference between amateur and professional sports. It's good. It's good making it there. It's not the accomplishment that it's made out to be. Just isn't. People younger than you would disagree. Okay, great. They can. That's fine. No one has to agree. You can have your own beliefs. Like you take everything so personally, like, who cares if someone disagrees? That's fine. All right. You think that? I think this. Awesome. Well, this Fun is the, the conversation that we've been talking about this for 20 minutes. Yeah, it, it, we have. I'm Brian No, He's Brendan King. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. By the way, we'll get to this a little bit more. Lamar Jackson. So I saw an interesting piece. Bill Barnwell of ESPN does a tremendous job. Yeah. And he says, ranking NFL team fits for Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. So he took 16 teams that could be vying for Lamar Jackson, and he ranked them based on what would be the best fit. So what would you guess, Brendan? And I wouldn't know this. I'm, I have the answers in front of me. I'd have no idea. But what would you guess? Where is the Colts? Where is uh, Indianapolis in the pecking order, according to Bill, Bill Barnwell, in terms of best team fits for Lamar Jackson? Oof. Well... I would say at least top six, no? Top uh, Interesting to go top six, but yeah, number four. Number four, the Colts right there. He had an interesting uh, blurb right here. I found this to be uh, something that stood out. Bill Barnwell wrote, Bryce Young uh, would make less over the next four years than Jackson will make in the first season of his new deal. That is like, 
wow, when <laughs> you put it like that, well, yeah, we get it. You're backing up the Brinks truck to get a guy like Lamar Jackson while Bryce Young or any rookie would be on their rookie deal. That's a huge difference right there. Well, and that's exactly why I don't think the Colts would pull the trigger, Brian, because Chris Ballard has not been one either to spend the money slash uh, give up the picks. And when you have to do both, I just don't see that filling Ballard's need uh, in particular. And as you just brought up the financials, you could get Bryce Young for well cheaper. And that's why I think the Colts would lead it, would lead towards Bryce Young. But, you know, a team would be willing to pay that price for Lamar Jackson. Some team would be willing to pay that price. This is something else that Barnwell wrote about the Texans. And you could apply this exactly pretty close to the Colts. Uh, He wrote, Jackson is likely to be better than a project such as Anthony Richardson. Um, And you could get into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, You know, being number two overall, the Texans could go in a different direction than just Anthony Richardson. So insert your quarterback of choice. It could be Stroud, could be Levis, could be Richardson, whatever. He says, Jackson is likely to be better than a project such as Anthony Richardson. But is he better Then Richardson, a 2024 first-round pick, and more than $40 million in money to spend on the roster every season over that time frame. That's an interesting way to look at it as well, because it's not just Lamar versus Bryce Young. It's Lamar versus Bryce Young, another first-round pick, and 40 mil to spend on the roster each of those years that Lamar would be under contract. It's a pretty fascinating conversation, and I could see why you would want to go the young cheaper route but it's all about is that young cheaper player really really good and that's the unknown when you're doing an equation like this that's what we talked about yesterday with no matter who you draft brian there's going to be some sort of mystery no matter who you draft because they're all going to need to develop in a way for young it's his size for stroud it's just kind of playing to that next level for levish you have no idea what he's going to be and anthony richardson is the ultimate wild card and then you know there's that fifth name that's why i asked jim Nagy yesterday about hennon hooker because he seems to be slowly but surely just crawling and creeping his way back towards the first round and remember that's Look, that's what happened with Lamar Jackson. It, not the injury per se, but just Lamar Jackson was just continue creeping and creeping, and then the Ravens got him for that hell of a deal. Is, is Hendon Hooker the next type of Lamar Jackson type player where he's looked at kind of as a steal? Does he go on a run like Lamar Jackson? I don't know. But Hendon Hooker seems to be creeping at least back towards that first round area. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there, Jimmy. I don't think Miami's going to get to their team total over here. As we're under seven minutes, Marquette looking okay. So you might split with me, Jimmy. That's not good if you parlayed them, but <laughs> I'm, I, I'm on my own boat. It's okay. The, okay. the parlay of the day is back. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to where Rutgers is. You know, I, I sprinkled a little on Rutgers because you guys were, were selling me on them. We got Paul Casaro coming up right around the corner. You indie head basketball coach. We'll talk some hoops with Coach right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Brendan King. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Paul Casaro joining us here. By the way, Brian No and Brendan King here with you on The Fan. Paul Casaro, you in the head basketball coach on with us here. Paul, you get a, a little bit of spring in your step now come tournament time, you know, in the big dance at the D2 level. I would imagine that you woke up and maybe didn't even need coffee this morning. Is that true? 
Uh, that's not true, man. I'm barely sleeping watching all this film and get ready for this weekend. So I definitely need the heavy dose of coffee. But we are we are fired up. Hey, coach, it's Brendan. You know, when you think about the Division Two tournament and you watch ball games all here during Champ Week, Division One, even the NAIA level, all the talent that you see uh, across the board. You know, how much talent is out there of the teams that you see? Because it just seems like today's college athlete is as good and has more depth than anywhere because it seems like any team that you see has one or two or three guys that can really hurt you nowadays. Yeah, I mean, there's, the players are so good. Like I, I look at it uh, every day and I'm like, there's no way in heck I could play today. You know, and thank God I, I finished playing a long time ago because these guys are just bigger, they're more athletic, they're more skilled. And, uh, you know, we have a really deep team. Our, our regional still filled with deep teams. And like as you alluded to, you watch – uh, basketball from all levels. It's just uh, such a deep sport, and it's fun to see the different ta- talent levels out there. You know, you're taking on McKendry on Saturday, Coach. What's the biggest challenge that that squad presents to your team? You know, every team kind of goes through waves in a season, and, you know, as you guys know, uh, hitting stride at the right time in any season is, is really important, and they're really hot right now. They've won six in a row. They won the conference championship uh, tournament. So, like, they're just their team that's hot. They're 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 hitting their stride at the right time, playing with a lot of confidence. And they have two uh, two elite scorers, uh, Bryson Boltman and Milos Vesintich, both about 16, 17 a game. So, uh, shutting those two guys down and then just kind of you know slowing down their rhythm and mo- momentum. Coach, when you just got done with the GLVC, first game goes to double overtime, and you know all of that emotion that gets piled up in a double OT game. How hard is it to come back even 48 hours later from a double OT game when you just invested so much energy into what was such an emotional ball game against Quincy? Yeah, you know, uh, I think our fans that saw our score would say it's really hard because we didn't play too hot 48 hours later on that Saturday. Um, But, you know, to our our guys' defense, they, they were drained. Uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Uh, but also, you know, credit to Missouri-St. Louis, who we lost to on, on Saturday. They, um, they they played a very good ball game and, um, you know, highlighted some things that we need to shore up and correct heading into the NCAA tournament. And uh, credit to our players for um, having high character and, you know, being able to look themselves in the mirror. We've had a really good week of practice so far. Paul Casaro joining us here, you indie head basketball coach. I think that was interesting, Coach. You talked about... McKendry being on a roll here, how much differently will that cause you to coach a game when the opponent is on a roll like that? Simple things like utilizing timeouts, being aware of, hey, they might be going on a run here, strategy. How much differently do you coach when a team has it rolling? Yep. I really think that we just got to make it more about us, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I think, you know, you scout a team, you know their tendencies and know how you're going to try to attack them. You know uh, what adjustments you're going to go to if certain things aren't working. I think if you try to change up things too much or try to focus too much on the opponent, it takes away from who you are and what you do. And um, our guys should feel really confident because, you know, I'm I'm very confident in them as a coach. They're 26 and four and, you know, we're, we're hosting for a reason. So I think we need to uh, focus on UND, um, UND mostly. Paul Casaro, head coach at UND, is with us here on the Fan Midday Show from the DriveHubler.com studio. Coach, when you get 
here into crunch time. I work in a different sport. I work in baseball, which is a little bit different where you play every day, every single day. So really, there's not much practice time. But when you get towards this portion of the year, when you're kind of in the dog days of the season towards the back end of the regular camp, I know your last two regular season games were on the road. So that's a little bit grindy. And then you got to go to the conference tournament. Now you go to the D2 Midwest Regional. Where do you find time to fit in practice that you want to get to? Do you have to change things at all just to find your guys rest yeah you do actually you know uh fresh legs fresh minds is really key right now but you also have to uh get, get the proper work in so um you know it's a fine line of you know you want to get what you need to get in but you also don't want to crush your guys either so um what we try to do is you know go hard still because it maintains our intensity and and, and levels in which we like to play but just go for a shorter time frame and, you know, maybe not bang bodies the uh, length of time that we normally would during the regular season. Or, hey, maybe you try to give maybe one more day off here or there, but you still have to maintain your intensity. You still have to maintain uh, your effort levels because then if you don't, it takes away from what you do. I just had one of the most random thoughts, Coach, and I'm going to share it with you because I don't know why I thought of in college football they have the mayo bowl and the winning coach gets like a, a tub of mayo poured on his head you know what I mean and so I'm just thinking about (laughs) celebrating I'm thinking about celebrating if your team greatly exceeds expectations and you're in celebration mode what's something off the wall that you might do I don't think you're going to pour mayo on your head but what what would you do that might surprise us a little bit you know I absolutely do hate mayonnaise so it it won't be that Uh, but (laughs) the you know I, I I, we have fun as a group. You know, I, 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 I'd probably be the one chest bumping our guys or ripping my shirt off, doing something crazy like that. That's, that's more at my speed. But uh, the, uh, the, guy, the guys have fun. They, they've given me a water bath once or twice this year after big games. And our, our staff came in after one game and, um, you know, laced them up with some squirt guns that we had prepared um, in the event that we had won that game, kind of surprised them. So you want to have fun with it. Uh, winning is so hard, and you need to enjoy every moment. Hey, Coach, now that we are fully in March Madness at all levels, including high school basketball, this is a question I like to ask coaches, especially when I'm getting ready to do games. So what's your philosophy on fouling up three? Because I I know it varies, and I know a lot of times when there are emotional moments in a game, one, either somebody can forget or there's miscommunication or something else is going on. But do you guys always foul up three late? And if not, what's the process? Um, there are definitely times that you need to do it and definitely times that you shouldn't do it. And I think every coach has a specific situation um, in the game in which they would, which they want it. Um, you know, in several coaches, it's a, at a certain time. It's based off how much time is on the clock. Uh, so I think there's, uh, there's positive times to do it. There's negative times to do it. Um, in the event that uh, our opponent is, is listening this week, and I'm not going to give you what time that is for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, really appreciate the time, man. Best of luck in the tournament. Hope you crush it, but it's always good to visit with you. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. You have a great day. Thanks, Coach. You too. Paul Casaro, you indie head basketball coach, joining us here on The Fan. Yeah, that's good. Ripping the shirt off, you know, doused with water. That's becoming more common in basketball. That used to be... Almost unheard of. One of the first times I remember a coach getting dunked with water was when Doc Rivers and the Boston Celtics beat the Lakers in the finals. Remember they poured like 
red Gatorade on Doc, and it was like, whoa, it's radical in basketball. But they do the little, you know, kind of like personal cup of water when there's like a big win or a, a high point total or something like that. It's nice that it's getting a more common in basketball there, Brendan. Yeah, except, you know, as an example – you know, when Sean Miller was coaching at Arizona, coaches were still wearing suits. So you didn't even need to dump water on Sean Miller because he would sweat through his suit. You know, so some coaches already do it for you. There you go. Okay, so um, we're going to get to this around the corner. We'll get back to the uh, the Colts and the, the quarterback situation involving Lamar Jackson. You know, you've heard about the potential rookie quarterbacks quite a bit, but it's a little bit of a different angle in conversation with Lamar Jackson uh, being out there, at least he can negotiate with other teams. I also want to get to this, Brendan, because I saw it's an interesting article on The Athletic, and they were talking to players at the Combine. And so they asked, what's the weirdest question you've been asked by teams in the draft process? And so one guy wrote, the hardest question was to describe myself in three adjectives. And he said, I hate talking about myself. I'd rather other people talk about me. I think this would be a good exercise for us to do. Okay, so it's going to be a little three bit of Lamar adjectives. Jackson. Three adjectives that best describe yourself. We'll get to that around the corner because it's, it's not the easiest thing. You're kind of put on the spot. And I was thinking about this. I read that. And I'm like, how would I describe myself? And I thought of one thing, and I'm like, I don't even know what I would say about the other two. So it took me a little bit of time. So you got a couple of minutes right here. Put me on the spot. And then we'll circle back to it. Jimmy do, we have a, Jimmy, do we have a thesaurus in studio? I, I might that, need to go, down, be to, handy. Might go down to some of our sister stations. Yeah. See, I don't, just, don't think there's a sports building. Yeah. Just Google, go to the WIVC newsroom. Just Google jackass and see what is – I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Woo, I'm kidding. Woo, I'm joking woo, around. Woo. I'm joking around. Right, we got a Can lot we get to a, do. Rick Flair? We, yeah. <laughs> woo! Yeah. Brian, though, and Brendan King. Keep, keep it locked right here. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brian Noe and Brendan King with you here on The Fan. Okay, so uh, I hope this is not my new nickname, Brian the Hex. No, as both I have some repenting to do to you guys and also the fine people in Indianapolis listening to us today. I I steered you wrong. Uh, The first half over, Miami team total, a little short. First half uh, over, Marquette total, way short. Marquette can't buy a hoop right now, Brendan. It's been ugly First half offense, but they will get it going. The sad news is it won't benefit me at all because my bet has already been lost. What did Matt Schumacher tell us yesterday? Asked him about the Big East tournament. He said it would not be chalk. Well, so far, it is trending towards not being chalk, which I think is a lot more fun for everybody. So let's see. Yeah, and there's always time to rally. Always time to rally in the world of betting. That's just the way it goes. Okay, so weird combine questions. This was on The Athletic. I thought it was an interesting question. There was a a question posed, describe yourself in three adjectives. For the record, I don't think that's that weird. (laughs) It's pretty standard, but it fell under that headline, and someone said, I hate talking about myself. I'd rather rather have other people talk about me. So you're going to talk about yourself over here, Brendan. Three adjectives to describe yourself, what would you go with? I don't have three, but I'll give you my my high school superlative. I was voted most caring at my high school, so I'm going to go with that. That's it? We're, so Okay, so you're an NFL draft prospect, and the GM or some head honcho says, describe yourself in three adjectives. Your response is, I've got one for you. <laughs> is that yeah, it? it's the, because I think that would actually be a nice little flip to an NFL GM because you know what? I'm going to focus on this because I believe in this one so much for myself that this is what I can bring your organization. Boom. 
Okay. All right. Most ca- you were voted most caring in high school. Yeah, which was what a good happened? one. What happened? What happened from those days to now? Yeah, you're, you're grizzled at this point. All right. How about this? Are you an apple or an orange as a person? This is a real question during the combine. Well, how would you answer that? Apple or an orange? I'm. A, you know what? <laughs> I got another easy answer for you. I'm allergic to apples, so give me an orange. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I like this yep. answer. Whoever answered it, I, I like this one. I, I wouldn't know what to say at first, but this guy had a good answer. He said, I chose an apple for the simple fact that apples are solid all the way to the core. So you know what you're getting when you pick up an apple. They said I answered the question right. So I like that's a good answer. I, some of these questions I would have no idea some of it's goofy stuff from oh, like it, the Super Bowl where yeah. there's like, what, what tree would you be? I have no idea how I'd answer some of these questions at all. Were you uh, were you in a fraternity at Ball State? No. Okay, no. because like you kind of get you kind of get the NFL draft experience when you're rushing as a freshman. Like you get all those stupid questions, and if you don't answer one right, they'll be like, oh, what the hell is this guy talking about? So yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Well, well do you have three adjectives, Mister No? Three adjectives you want. I've got. Uh, I've got. Um, I've got negative one. No, I'm kidding. I was just trying to do a thing for you. Just having one. No, I've got three. I'd go with this. Um, my first one was competitive. I'm super competitive. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. But I'm very, very competitive. Um, I would say hardworking. Definitely a hard worker. Uh, sometimes to a fault, but definitely hard worker. And um, I think you could go either with. I think. Passion is a better one because, again, that's good or bad. Um, where if I feel strongly about something, um, or if I feel something to any degree, it's like to the extreme, you know. So I could feel like this is the best thing ever. I can feel like this is the worst thing ever. But it's typically to the extreme with me. That's just how I roll. But that I think that's what it takes to be successful in a business like this. I mean, I'm not a, a person. You know, I'm not. We're kind of on different wavelengths. I'm not a full time radio guy. You know, I'm a play by play guy. So, um, you know, if if you're not passionate in your takes, you're not going to last long. No. Oh no, no, that's no. You can't be wishy washy sports radio person. Like that's just that's not going to work at all. This I don't even understand this one completely. This is another goofy combine question. I got some Chipotle questions, this draft prospect says. One was like, if a Chipotle napkin was on the table, are you picking it up or are you throwing it away? So is this like somebody else's Chipotle napkin? You sit at this table, there's a napkin already there. Is that the question? I don't even understand the question here. I'm always, if I see trash on a table and like I'm the only one in range, I'm always cleaning it up. That's just me. Okay, so you're you're throwing it away. Throw always, always. My if mom, my mom, my mom was a germaphobe before COVID. If if that tells you anything, so uh, we were always cleaning stuff up. So yeah, I'm always if I'm in the only one in range and something needs to be thrown away, I got it. Okay, and you just what's the process? You just pick it up, yeah. Throw it away, yeah. That's wash it. your hands. You're all good. You're all good. I don't get these people that don't wash their hands in the bathroom. I don't get that. Yeesh, on yeah, that's no bueno. <laughs> that's no really bueno. Weird. Really weird. Uh, last one, going back to the combine, if I had to choose between a dog and a cat, who am I? What would you be, dog or cat over uh, there? Well, hold on. Before I answer, are you a cat guy? I mean, I'm cool with cats. I've never had one myself. As long as I had a dog, I'd be cool with having a cat. But I've never owned a cat myself. Yeah, me neither. I, I personally, I think cats are 
ruthless. I, I could never do a cat. I, my my aunt had a cat when I was a kid, and it was mean. It was one of those mean. It wasn't a Garfield fat cat that was nice and just ate. It was like a mean, sly, sneaky cat, if that makes sense. Yeah, mean, sneaky. Okay, so you'd be more of a dog. Yeah, right? actually, you know what? This is uh, this is my first week back since I got back from Florida last week. I do do want to say this because my parents listen as as well. We uh, we lost our dog Wrigley, uh, who was 17 years old, uh, when I was in Florida a couple weeks back, and uh, got to spend one more night with him when I got there. So I know my folks are listening. So he he had a great life. So yeah, we had a we had a great time with Wrigley and the aforementioned name. I know you're not a Cubs guy, Brian, but uh, you can guess who named him. And uh, you know we had a great life. With him, he was a terrific pup and uh, 17 years, man. So yeah, always dogs. Look, man, I get it. It's like a member of your family. It really is. And so I'm sorry that no, that's a, your dog it, passed away. Oh, he but, had a great life, man. He had a great puppy life. But the name, really, Wrigley? Oh, you you can't be you can't be doing that now. Who's the who's the what's the next name to be applied? Do you have anything in mind? For no, the- I, I wouldn't get it. I I just can't get a dog right now because no. Wrigley stayed with my parents. But no, we. I mean, you know, we. I went to my first Cubs game, Brian, when I was two years old with my grandmother and my dad, and uh-huh. uh, you know that uh, we still have the game ticket and everything. So you know, I I didn't jump on a bandwagon in 2007. I'm a lifer. So we got about, Wrigley. I- we got Wrigley in 06, and and we named him, and it, it was great. How about this? The next dog you get, whenever it is, Sheffield Avenue. <laughs> what do you think? I yeah. think just or Waveland. Right or Waveland would do. Yeah, you could yeah. do that. Yeah, either one. Okay, coming up next, we get back to the Colts over here. The possibilities of Lamar ending up with Indianapolis. It's something to entertain. I feel like a lot of fans aren't even really entertaining this, where it doesn't even seem like it's on the radar right now. But a couple of really interesting layers to consider about where Lamar Jackson might end up if it is elsewhere at all. And also the lack of interest that has been talked about. What what are the reasons for that? So we'll get to that right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Brendan King. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brian No and uh, Brendan King with you here on The Fan. By the way, Jimmy, are we going in on Marquette? They're down by 10 at halftime. 36 to 26. Marquette with only 26 points. I led you astray. I feel so badly, Jimmy, because they started off four of five from the field and then proceeded to go four for 20 from the field. It might have even been even worse than that. Uh, I just saw the graphic at the time, but not a great first half for Marquette at all. No, left a lot to be desired, but I don't fully blame it on you because to your point about it being <laughs> it being nice to grab those type of over-unders in this conference tournament or conference tournament season, rather. Oftentimes, why I stay away from it is you yeah. never know what type of offensive performance you're going to get, particularly in the first half. I still bet it. I still liked it because Marquette has been so consistent this year, but it, it's that's March, baby. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? We need some old school, like, Shaka VCU Havoc defense in the second half, and Marquette's coming back for you, boys. Man, uh, the Johnnies went on a 16 nothing run after trailing 16-11, to so Johnny's hit a little bit of a, a bright spot right there. I, I still think uh, Marquette's going to make a push. I think the odds are probably pretty good that Marquette ends up winning this game. But, yeah, man, you never know. Johnny's, where are they at, in the garden? 
I think they're in the garden, aren't they, for the yeah, Big East tournament? Uh, yeah, in the garden. And, you know, Mike Anderson really is coaching for his job this week. It's, it is it is not good in Johnny Land. And, you know, Rick Pitino is hanging out there in New York right now. He's about to take Iona to another NCAA tournament. And if Rick Pitino wants the St. John's job or probably any other job, he's going to get it. So Mike Anderson is going to need a run here in NYC if he wants to keep that St. John's kick. Okay, so if we circle back to the Lamar Jackson conversation, Lamar Jackson able to negotiate with any other team in the NFL and those teams can sign him to an offer sheet, the Ravens would have the right to match it because of the non-exclusive franchise tag. So I'm fascinated by this column written by Bill Barnwell of ESPN, ranking NFL team fits for Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. So we talked about it in the first hour briefly. Colts are number four in the pecking order. He's got the Colts as a top five destination for Lamar Jackson in terms of who would make the most sense to make a push for Lamar. That's the way he's looking at it. At the top of the list, the Atlanta Falcons. This is what I find to be interesting here, Brendan, is that I think a lot of the lack of interest for Lamar Jackson around the league, there's a belief that the Ravens are probably going to match any offer. So think about this. He's got the Falcons number one on the list. So the Falcons have Desmond Ritter as their quarterback. So imagine if the Falcons say, let's go all in. Let's get Lamar Jackson. Let's sign him to an offer sheet. We'll get rid of two first-round picks for the guy. Let's do it. And then the Ravens match that offer. You have to turn around and go back to your quarterback, Desmond Ritter, like, no, 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 but we really believe in you over here. So just the dynamic of being used as sort of an arbiter, right? Like this is sort of like arbitration where the other team that signs Lamar to an offer sheet, they're pretty much just setting the price tag for the Ravens to match. There are a lot of teams that don't want to play that game. So you have to factor that into this thing. The offer sheet business is a really, really compelling part of football and sports. I mean, they're they're all over sports. Really, any sport that has a salary cap has offer sheets. I mean, we saw it here with DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he was almost an Indiana Pacer, and then he kind of crawled back to Phoenix. And it, like you said, I'm sure it has to be awkward that, yeah, you know, like, we'll take you back. We'll we'll match this for you. No problem. And then Ayton goes back to Phoenix. But you know, Atlanta, I understand why they're at the top of the list, Brian, because Atlanta, they can afford to do that. And they need to get Kyle Pitts, somebody that can actually get him the ball. I mean, Kyle Pitts fantasy owners a year ago were in hell trying trying to start him and he was putting up two points a game and you probably could have gotten more productivity from Foster Moreau on the Raiders after Darren Waller got hurt but they need Kyle Pitts to have a jolt of energy and if Lamar Jackson's the guy good for them but I understand why they are at the top of the list because you know here in Indianapolis you have to keep in mind that even if the Colts go after Lamar Jackson yeah. and the offensive line regressed last year if you can't protect if you can't protect Lamar you're just shooting yourself in the foot plus Atlanta they have the ability to go out and spend that money because the Colts they're still not done financial wise if they want to re-sign JT and they want to clean up some holes especially at the skill positions if they want to address wide receiver if they want to address tight end if they want to address safety you know they're going to have to go out and spend some money um Atlanta they have the ability to probably flex that financial opportunity to go get Lamar I don't think the Colts are in position to give up that much money plus the two first round picks well and I also think this let's just put put the Colts there they don't have their quarterback yet we're expecting it's going to be in the draft 
But let's just say that Chris Ballard says, eh, you know, at least I have a better idea of what Lamar Jackson is in the NFL compared to any of these other soon-to-be rookie quarterbacks. So let's say Chris Ballard just said, you know what? Let's go after Lamar Jackson. If they signed Lamar to an offer sheet and it's matched by the Ravens, which it most likely would, I think that to a degree, at least in the rookie season, that hangs over the head of whoever their rookie quarterback is. You know what I mean? Like it would just be one of those things that's brought up from time to time of, well, they did try to get Lamar Jackson and and he's going to be compared to Lamar fair or not to some degree his rookie season. I just I don't think you take a chance like that as an organization. If you can make that move and for sure it's going to stick and that's the direction you want to go in, okay, fine. But if you start to make that move, it turns into a partial move if Baltimore matches that offer. I wouldn't want that hanging over the head of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever they get in the NFL draft. And to a degree, I think it would be the case. Well, look at what happened, and I realize I'm switching sports here. Look at what happened last year because there are kind of two sides of it with what the Pacers did with Aiton and Miles Turner. It could have been very, and I realize Miles Turner has been in the league for six, seven, eight years, but he's still only 26 years old. So at the end of the day, that's still comparable to some of these quarterbacks coming out that are a little bit older. You know, it could have been very easy for Miles to get PO'd at the Pacers organization and say, you know what? You tried to one-up me and bring Aiton in here. I'm done. I'm going to go sign elsewhere. I'm going to mail it in. I'm going to you know, sit out. I'm not playing. Well, now Miles Turner, he took the other side of it down the two-sided highway and said, you know what? I'm going to play my best. I'm going to earn this contract. And you know, he took it as motivation. So there are two sides of the coin there. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, the other thing here with Lamar is uh, I hear this a lot, and it was in the piece as well, where (laughs) if the Ravens are making a move with the Colts, this is what Bill Barnwell wrote. He said, if the Ravens are ready to move on from the 2019 MVP, they'd have the number four pick, and that'd be a huge building block for the GM Eric DaCosta, yada, yada, planning for the future. I want to circle back to the 2019 MVP, okay? Because this gets talked about ad nauseum with Lamar Jackson. And I think this is very important to understand here. Former MVP means you had a great season. That doesn't mean you've had a great career. There's a big difference right there. Think about some of these MVPs. Rich Gannon was an MVP. And he had a a great season with the Raiders. He didn't have a great career. Carson Wentz was nearly an MVP in the 2017 season. He would have won it if he didn't get hurt against the Rams and missed the final couple of games of the season. Think about Cam Newton, another good example. Special year when he won league MVP. He didn't have a special career. He's not a Hall of Famer. So I think that gets applied to Lamar and you say, he's all, he's an MVP. It's, yeah, he was spectacular in 2019. But that doesn't mean every single year of his career has been spectacular. I think that's very important to understand. And a lot of people just don't look at it that way. I think you have to take into account some of the injury stuff, though. I mean, you brought up Carson Wentz. Is, you know, Wentz, after that MVP season getting hurt, he was never the same player. And, and that's the concern with Lamar Jackson, that he has not finished each of the last two seasons. We know what he can play like. But can he match that? And I think I was it was ESP at the show before us that uh who you know, I think it was Carlin filling in for Greeny or whatever, but 
if you put, he said, quote, if you put Lamar Jackson on turf indoors, he's going to be a lethal weapon. Well, you know, no guarantees there either because, you know, father, t- not father time, but the injury bug is going to come for everybody, especially if you have history. And Lamar Jackson's got at least history. But my concern, Brian, and I'll repeat it, is if the Colts don't address offensive line issues and they go into this season just thinking that it's going to go back to normal and you bring in a Lamar Jackson-type player and you don't protect him, you are shooting yourself in the foot, you're screwing yourself over. I I just don't understand how they can think that, oh, everything's magical because we got a guy that can move. Well, no. If your line collapses, there's only so much that he's going to be able to do at the end of the day. If he tires late in the game, He's not going to be able to get out of the pocket. He's going to get hammered. Well, I understand what you're saying. It's just it's hard to get it to sync up perfectly. It's what I'm like the timing of it matters where, yeah, ideally you'd love to have your offensive line solidified and then you can make a run at Lamar Jackson or you got your offensive line solidified and you just so happen to have a top five pick and can get a, a top prospect at quarterback. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, it's not always set up timing-wise the way you want it. So what are you going to do? You're just going to say, hey, we've got a top five pick we could use for a, a quarterback, but I guess we're going to go tackle. We're going to take the kid out of Northwestern because we got to get this offensive line squared away first. I, I get, I totally get your point, but I'm just saying the timing of it doesn't magically work out a lot of times. And when you have the... The chance to get a quarterback, whether it's a top five pick or make a run at Lamar Jackson, you got to do it even though the line isn't completely solidified. Well, I don't want them to go draft the tackle from Northwestern. I'm just saying that if you they have the highest paid offensive line in football and it's a joke, it, it has been a joke over the last year. That's just unacceptable, Brian. Yeah, I mean, sure, but the point still remains that it's not going to be perfect. You might have to have a quarterback play behind a line that isn't ideal for a little while while you try as quickly as possible to solidify it, but it just it doesn't work out. It's not like building a roster is not like building blocks where it's just like, all right, we got the O-line. Now we can get the quarterback. Now we can do this. Like, It doesn't always present itself that way. And so what are you going to do if the building blocks don't fit in the order that you want them to? You're going to have to get by. And you might have to have a quarterback play behind a line that isn't ideal. And hopefully it's not a David Carr situation when he was at the Houston Texans and just took a freaking beating over there, right? Like, you hope it's not to that degree, but... You're going to have to hold stuff together with duct tape for a little while with some of these teams. I mean, goodness, if you go to a top, you have go to a team that's in the top three, top five of the draft, there's going to be a lot of stuff on that roster that is not ideal. So, I mean, you just have to, you have to make the best decision at the time being that you can, even though the rest of the stuff might be an O-line in front of a young quarterback is an ideal. That's the way it goes. I get it, but they've had the chance to address it. They passed on a left tackle twice in 2021 to draft two defensive linemen. They started Matt Pryor at left tackle last year, a guy that has never played the position before. This is a matter of two years that they have not addressed this, Brian. Uh, yeah, but there's nothing you can do about it right now. It is what it is that, right now. That's a loser mentality, though. It's not yeah, a loser mentality. It's reality. It's the reality of the situation. Like, I don't care what you did in 2017 a, or 2019. It's, it's, it's 2021 and 2022, right Brian. That This is 2021 and 2022 that they didn't address it. That's a loser mentality. What, what, 
what is the loser's mentality? Like you got to figure it. You got to go here. You you got. So there's no excuses in the league, Brian. So what are you saying? Go with an old lineman in the first round? No, 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 no. All right. So you're going quarterback in the first round? Absolutely. But so what are you talking about? There, you got to scour the market for left tackles. I mean, there are. Guys available. Tampa Bay just released their left tackle yesterday. You got to go find something and pursue. Oh, don't tell me it's Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith oh, got released. Gosh. If that's the guy you want, no, no. Brian, no. The, Brian, I, the Kansas City did the same thing last week with Orlando Brown Jr. We talked about that as well. I mean, to Brendan's point, there are options there, but the problem is Brian, and this is the larger issue with Chris Ballard as a general manager, and I think it's Brendan's larger point is they've missed opportunities to address in the past, and that's fine. You can only operate in the present i agree with you in that regard but there are avenues to patchwork it to try to find a solution this year that you 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 cannot you can't not try to address it i think is what brennan's larger point is you still take the quarterback but there are options out there at left tackle the other issue though and the other elephant in the room is they have so much money tied into the offensive line as a whole and the cap situation they're in right now Chris Ballard's going to have to be creative because of a bet he arguably made for himself over the last two seasons. Yeah, I get that. Like, sure, if you can do them both at the same time, it's great. <laughs> like, absolutely. Right. Yeah, you want to address the O-line at the same time that you address the quarterback position? All for it. Yes, full steam ahead. No doubt. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, maybe we're saying the two, same thing in two different ways. I got a text here from our APD, our APD, Todd, and he just wrote, did you flip from yesterday? Because you sounded like you wanted Lamar Jackson instead of a rookie quarterback. No. What I said yesterday was, I don't want either. I don't want to trade up to get Bryce Young. I don't want to pay a boatload for Lamar Jackson, who's a walking medicine cabinet. I don't want either. But if it's, you got to pick one or the other, what's it going to be? Yeah, I would I would make a move where if it's like Bryce Young versus Lamar specifically, I would go the Lamar direction myself. Does the guaranteed money matter capital. to you at all? Like that that's not that's being brought up nationally, but we've yet to mention something about it today. I feel like there is an overwhelming maybe not fear, but frustration from the owners of the move the Browns made last year to make that amount of guaranteed money available to Deshaun Watson and in Lamar's mind it resets the quarterback market for him he's Mm -hmm. pushing for all this guaranteed money and the league doesn't want to do it that's clearly the response I'm reading with all this immediate we don't want him we don't want him we don't want him from teams around the league how much does that matter to you I I don't buy it at all you don't think think it matters I, I think this is the stupidest thing to basically a lot of people I'm not saying you're saying this uh, Jimmy, but there are a lot of people that are saying, is this collusion? No, 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 no. Are they, I'm not, right. I'm going to try to say that. I'm just saying, yeah. I think the league is up, not upset like that they're working together, but I think there's a belief around front offices and ownership groups around the league that maybe that much guaranteed money isn't the right way to go with that position. And since the Browns did it and kind of said, we're going to do what we want to do to get our guy, you guys pick up the pieces and deal with the rest. Again, not working together. I'm not saying they're colluding to do it, but I do think that the guaranteed money must be bothering some of these teams. Well, yeah, of course, but it's not just, it's Lamar specifically. You know what I mean? Like this isn't collusion. This is right. If, if Lamar Jackson hadn't been hurt the last two years and wrecked the Raven seasons and he was playing at an MVP level and you had many teams vying for his services, you might see a fully guaranteed deal just like Deshaun Watson got, but that's not the reality. 
So, I don't but here's my here, here's my issue with that. Deshaun Watson has two ACL injuries in his career already. He didn't play for a full two years because of both the injury and him sitting out with a contract issue with uh, the Texans. And obviously, his entire scandal unfolded and it, it it wrecked everything to a further degree. But you had those same injury question marks on Watson in terms of his body of work. Granted. He has a playoff win. He had great playoff performances in, I think, the same year uh, in 2019 when Lamar won the MVP. So I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm just saying the injury bug conversation was still in his past, and it ultimately didn't matter. Fine, but Deshaun Watson, stylistically, he plays in a way that is better suited for the long haul than Lamar Jackson does. That's just the reality of it. Lamar Jackson runs around like a crash test dummy, and he's taken a lot of punishment. He does not stylistically have a long-term approach to playing quarterback. Like, And I get everything that you mentioned with Deshaun Watson, but the Browns were desperate. And there was a bidding war to get the guy. And he is more of a passer than Lamar Jackson is. And this is a passing league. I've always said you got to make your living throwing the ball in the NFL because your days are numbered if you're making your living with your legs. Like, you just can't do that long-term in the NFL. And these teams realize that. That's why they went after Deshaun Watson the way they did, and they're not going after Lamar Jackson the way they did. And also, the order matters, right? The order of this thing matters because Deshaun gets his huge deal, and you have all of this just sync up perfectly where Lamar's been banged up the last two years, his numbers have dipped, and he wants the Deshaun Watson deal going forward. Like, that is the perfect storm for it to look like something it actually isn't. Brian, let me ask you this, because we talked about this yesterday, too, and you mentioned that, in your mind, Lamar Jackson is an overrated player. So, in turn, why would you, Brian, know, as a GM, why would you pay the price for Lamar with all the guaranteed cash plus the two first-round picks? Well, I wouldn't. Listen again, I wouldn't want either. I wouldn't want to trade up to get Bryce Young. I wouldn't want to make a huge deal for Lamar Jackson because... But there has to be a reason why you would. There has to be two sides of the coin. Right? I I mean, somebody's going to want him. So why would a GM want him? Okay, so you're saying this isn't my argument. This is, insert random GM's name here, why they would do it. Yes. Well, we saw him play at an MVP level for a season. We know that he is a tremendous playmaker. And depending on the situation, Miami has been talked about quite a bit. If you start thinking about Miami with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and I mean, yeah, if he can stay upright, he's still a talented dude. So, yeah, absolutely, teams would be interested. It's just the price tag. That's the thing. That's what I, yeah, that's what I've been saying. There's this disconnect as if if you don't want to pay $200,000 for a Nissan Altima, like, you just hate Nissan Altimas. It's like, no, it's just that price is too high. It's not worth it. It doesn't mean uh, I drive a Nissan Altima. I love my Nissan Altima. It doesn't mean you hate those cars or you think they stink. or it, It's just, it's been misinterpreted. It's just Lamar is asking for a price tag that just isn't worth it when he's been banged up the way he has the last two years, and the way his numbers have dipped the last two years. Not worth it. And that's why, to me, that you get a team-friendly contract for an a la Bryce Young. Um, you control him. You don't have to give up the big cash. You can still work out 
the rest of the holes you need to fill, paying Jonathan Taylor, addressing the offensive line with legitimate candidates and not a guard that's been playing for six years that you make a left tackle, you can clean up the defense, and then you do sacrifice the draft picks. You sacrifice the draft picks to trade up with Chicago, but that's what the Colts, that's the best formula for the Colts right now, not to give Lamar the money and the Ravens the picks. You address what you need to, you get a team-friendly quarterback deal, and you start over. That's what's got to happen. Listen, that's the perfect scenario, but everything that we're talking about with Lamar and missing 10 games the last two seasons, that's a ton. It's ruined two years. Like, you could, the the not-so-rosy picture is you move up, it's still a lot of compensation to move up to number one, and let's just say it's to take your guy, the Smurf, Bryce Young. What if Bryce Young is banged up as much or to a similar degree as Lamar Jackson is? What if Bryce Young turns out to not be as good as Lamar Jackson? Those are two Isn't that the risk of all draft also. picks, though? Isn't that, That's the risk of all draft picks when you decide to replace somebody with a young guy. Yeah. That, that's the risk. That's, that's the NFL draft, Brian. Right. Exactly. But I'm just telling you the not so rosy picture exists as well. I know you're not saying I, I it's, it's football, set in stone. I watch football, I, I, I understand. Know, I know I know you're not saying it's set in stone, you get Bryce Young, stud, all of our problems are solved. I've I, never said that. I know. I know, which is why I just said I know you're not saying that. I don't, I don't know what, what it is, if my voice or listening or what, but I just said I know that's not your argument, okay? So I'm just saying there is the not-so-rosy possibility also that completely exists and why I just don't want to get a quarterback that I see in Bryce Young that's going to have a bunch of injury problems as well, like Lamar Jackson. And I don't want that to be the case. I hope that's not the case at all. But I think it's going to be. And I'm not trading up and spending all that draft capital to have that be my reality. But isn't that a concern with every player? Injuries happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody. So, I mean, probably the Colts are going to have to move up at the end of the day. Because at four, you just get yourself into a high-level danger zone where there are teams directly behind you that also need a QB. And... It could be very easy if you stay at four that those three picks ahead of you are all quarterbacks and you wind up with a guy either that you don't love or have concerns about and then you're in a worse spot than before. The Colts are going to have to do something and actively pursue finding their guy. They can't let somebody fall in their lap. That's just not an option. But here's the thing. We can agree on this. It's a gamble with whatever you do. Everybody. Okay? Everybody. Okay, fine. We got that. The odds aren't the same for everybody. Okay? So you're playing the odds here. That's the thing. So if you look at Lamar Jackson, what are the odds that he stays healthy? Well, the style he plays, where he's trying to run over strong safeties, his odds aren't as great. His odds are not as great to remain healthy the way that he approaches the game. Now you look at a guy like Bryce Young. What are his odds to stay healthy in the NFL? They don't play the same way. When though. he's 5'10, they don't play the same way. Like he doesn't play. Pounds. I know it. I know. He doesn't it. play like know, Lamar Jackson. I know. I know. I know. Settle down. But he's got a small frame, okay? He's similar to Tua Tungavailoa. In terms of you his had build. an 18-year NFL scout tell you yesterday that it's not a big deal in his mind. Okay, great. Does that make it gospel? That's his opinion. 
Right. That's his opinion. He's but he's about been the in the game. Have you ever worked in the game, Brian? He he is an 18-year really? NFL scout. Okay, so he's an 18-year-old scout. So he's an 18-year-long scout. I, so I would gospel. trust Jim's opinion more than somebody okay. in the media. And that's me, okay, too. Okay, cool. That's me, cool, too. Cool. So have, have GMs just – have they ever swung and missed on draft picks before? I, I'm of just Of course curious. they have. But okay, he's somebody right, so that's been in the game. Over. Have scouts swung and missed? Yes, they have. I would just trust somebody that works in the game more than anybody you in the can media. trust whoever you want. Knock yourself out. It doesn't make it gospel at all. So don't make it out to be. Just because a scout said that's what he sees, great. That's Daniel Jeremiah said the same thing. Th- this okay, is- that's, that's gospel then. I don't think Bryce Young's ever going to get hurt in his NFL career. It's not a concern. It's not what I'm saying. I, Daniel you, Jeremiah you have just made Jim it out Maggie. that Bryce Young, you've called him a smurf every single day, and that's disrespectful to a guy I, that's played at a high level. The truth. It's just the truth over here. He is. By NFL standards, he's a smurf. And that's the reality. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, if the Colts trade up and they get Bryce Young and he's banged up quite a bit, it's not for no reason. It's because he's a smaller guy. I just like, think the way that you address it is just disrespectful to a guy that is a high-level talent. Uh, okay. Well, do you be... You feel the, you know, the you can be sensitive and be not sensitive, and all that, whatever. I, that's but. just disrespectful, man, to just go about okay, that way. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, coming up next, we want to get to Alex Golden. He covers the Pacers. So we will uh, we'll, we'll pick his brain a little bit around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Brandon King. It's 93.5 and 105, 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Brandon King here on The Fan. We'll get you some Pacers talk in just a second. I like it. Um, <laughs> Todd, our APD. Shout out to him, man. Listening closely because he's like, hey, weren't you saying yesterday about the quarterback thing, Bryce Young or Lamar Jackson? You'd rather have Lamar. I told him this, Brendan. I was like, it's basically if someone asks you one of those questions where it's like, which way would you rather die? And so you're like, I would rather not have either option. Okay. But if I'm forced to pick, this would be my choice. That's how I look at it, is I wouldn't want to get Lamar for the price tag, meaning the contract and also the two first-round picks. I wouldn't want to trade up to get Bryce Young for everything that we've talked about. So, no, I don't want either option. But if you're forcing me to pick, yeah, I would reluctantly uh, take Lamar. But that's the thing. That's what needs to be understood because I can understand from one day to the next, it sounds like, hey, man, you're you're skipping around. You're changing your tune over here. It's like, no, 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 no. It's I, I would rather have neither, but if forced to, I'd go Lamar. Todd is like Oz. He hears all. I know, man. He's, uh, he's thorough, that Todd over there. Shout out Boilermakers, you know? Big game right, tomorrow. We've got, yeah. We've got Alex Golden, Pacers reporter. Also on Setting the Pace podcast, you know, I'm going to go in a random direction with you here, Alex, because we were talking to a a UND head basketball coach in the first hour, Paul Cassaro, and uh, based on a random question, he said that he hates mayonnaise. I won't give you the whole story because it doesn't really matter, but where are you with mayonnaise, Alex Golden? Thumbs up or thumbs down? (laughs) I think it's a thumbs up on the right thing. I mean, if you like ranch, you have to like mayonnaise too, so I mean... I'll give it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. I like that. Um, what else would you be giving a gigantic Pacers thumbs up for right now? What, what would be the thing that appeals to you right here, right now, 
heading into tonight's action against Houston? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good opportunity to get a win. Now, if you're trying to get into the play-in tournament, which uh, I believe we talked about last time I was on here, it's not necessarily the best option, I guess, for a fan standpoint of to build the team moving forward. But for these guys, I mean, this is a good chance to get a win. So the Rockets are 15-50. and Uh, Beating the Rockets actually does help the Pacers a little bit because they do – have their second round pick that it could be 31 or 32 if they have the worst record in the NBA. So adding another loss to their record could help. So, I mean, thumbs up for tonight is just seeing that. And then um, hopefully maybe seeing Aaron Eastman tonight. He's questionable after missing the last two games, and I think they've missed him. Hey, Golden, it's BK. Uh, you know, what TJ McConnell was saying after the Philly game and giving up 147 points is never the goal of any NBA defense, but he says that they're playing the right way, especially over the last two. Why do you think that is? Yeah, they're just playing good team basketball. I think Rick Carlisle's alluded to it as well, just because you've been able to see how guys are, are doing more than just being scorers. And while you're putting up a lot of points, I get it, everyone's probably getting a healthy dose of their amount of points, but you're seeing more ball movement. You're seeing better defensive rotations. I think Benedict Matherin has really impressed, really, since the San Antonio game when he only played 15 minutes. He's going out there against, uh, against uh, Chicago. He goes out there against... Philadelphia, and he plays pretty well off the bench. Tyrese Halliburton is finding that good balance of knowing when to be the scorer and when to be the facilitator. I mean, 40 points, 16 assists, you really can't ask for much more than that. So I think overall that's the big thing. It's just being a little bit more connected on both sides of the floor. Now, it's tough to guard Joel Embiid and James Harden. Everybody knows that. you know. So it, honestly, like that game, it's crazy. Miles got in foul trouble. You're, you're relying on Jalen. And Isaiah Jackson to fill those minutes, and I thought Jalen Smith played really well, specifically in that in that stretch that he was out there. Probably did a better job on Embiid than Miles did for that game. So, you know, I think that the young guys are stepping up together, and they're just playing as a collective unit instead of playing, you know, for themselves. And that can happen sometimes when you're in a losing streak and, and playing on a team that's not really heading in the right direction. You know, I I'm not trying to be disrespectful and just make it all about the next season, but. I think it can be about both. It could be about this season and next season. What are the two most important things regarding next season that you're seeing the Pacers do well right here, right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I think first and foremost, while while he's still not starting Benedict Matherin, I think you're starting to see how he can grow as a player and be more than just a scorer. I think his fit next to Tyrese Halliburton, it's going to be just fine. I know that there's some people that want to see it. I, I'm I'm one of those people that want to see them start together just maybe the last 10 games of the year just to kind of get a small sample size of what you have uh, moving forward because those two guys have been uh, – are, are the face of the franchise moving forward. And we know that Nimhart has been getting the start over Matherin because of his defense. And I would just like to see maybe Matherin get a little bit better defensively, but I think he's taken strides as well. And then I think something else to, to just – be excited about is as simple as it sounds Tyrese Halliburton is budding into uh, a star I mean he's an all-star this year arguably the best point guard in the Eastern Conference I I think that the Pacers have something really special here with Tyrese and I think even if this season they don't make the plan or if they do make the plan and don't make the playoffs whatever like I I think just seeing wow we've got our we've got our centerpiece right here we've got a guy we can build around and a guy that makes everybody else better. Look at the year Miles Turner is having and and how it's been a career year for him. I, I listened to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about how Jokic makes everybody better. 
And if you look at both guys, Aaron Gordon, when he got traded from Orlando to Denver, he became a much better player and was even an all-star consideration this season. That doesn't happen without Nikola Jokic being by his side. And I think you can make the same case for Miles Turner playing next to Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think Miles is nearly as, as impactful as he's been this season without having a guy like Halliburton. I think that's going to be the case moving forward is just having a, a player like Halliburton that's able to, you know, raise raise the uh, raise the floor for a lot of these guys and just help get them to a better spot. Alex Golden's with us here on the Fan Midday Show from the DriveHubler.com studio. Hey, Golden, I want you to put on your teacher cap here. Jordan Wara, okay. first couple weeks in a Pacer uniform, letter grade. What are you giving Jordan Wara? Mm. I probably give him a B. I, I don't think he's done anything exceptionally well, but for the role that he's been asked to play, for the style of play that they've asked him to play, compared to Milwaukee, we're one of the more faster-paced teams. Milwaukee's a little bit slower paced, so he's kind of had to figure out how to play this style of basketball. I think he's done a pretty good job. He's filled in nicely, I would say. Not not incredibly well, but not bad for, for Aaron Neesmith, and it gives him some size. Good offensive player. I still think there's some room to grow defensively, but he's still pretty young, drafted in 2020. So, you know, it, it's a good flyer, and it's good insurance for O'Shea Brissett if he ends up leaving a free agency. So uh, I think he's not been a disappointment, but he's not been exceptional. So I'll, I'll give him a solid B. Uh, what would you give our questions letter grade-wise today, Alex? What would you say to that? I mean, starting off strong with Mayo is pretty yep. good. So yep. I'll uh, – <laughs> I mean, Will Levis likes mayo as well, so I'll go ahead and stay with it. We'll go with an A there. <laughs> oh, wow. I appreciate that, Alex. Very nice. Uh, we really yeah. appreciate your time, man. A interview on your part. So uh, thanks for that, man, and hope you have a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you guys have a good one, too. Thanks, Thank Golden. There he is, Alex Golden, setting the pace podcast. And uh, is he pro-mayo or anti-mayo? I think well, he ended up being pro Pro, because right. he you, said he was okay with ranch. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever, Brian? No. Have you been down to Florida? Have you been to a Publix? Have you had a pub sub? You know what those are? I've been to a Publix before, but I've not had a pub's sub. No, I have it, not. It is a legendary. They. It's basically like any other grocery store. You could probably order a sandwich from the deli, but Publix has hot sandwiches. They are called pub subs. They are legendary in Florida. And uh, they are spectacular. So, But the reason why I ask is if you're a mayo guy, they'll, they'll put a little slab of mayo on the bread before they toast it. Ends mm. up being pretty good. You know what? I've, I've got a couple of things to say over here. One is, I guess, sort of a confession, and I've got some bad, bad news as well. Okay? So I'll start with the confession. At first, I was completely anti-mayo. Like, I would always ask, no mayonnaise on my BLT or whatever. And if they brought it, I'd be like, ah, oh, no. And I'd scrape it off and the whole thing. Now, it doesn't bother me at all. Like a BLT with some mayo, I'm okay with it. I don't know what happened, but I've, I've come around. Now, the bad news here, Brendan, as I look toward the Scarlet Knights, they've got a lead. What is it? Are they up still 45-39? They're up by six right now. And I, Jimmy, I looked at my bets right now, and I'm looking for where are my open bets right I, It says there's nothing. And then I looked at my wins, and I, I had one with Miami. I dabbled again on the first half line. I know they get to at least 32. But, and then I'm like, what, where's the Rutgers game? And then I look at my lost bets. Lost Rutgers plus one first half. Oh. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I entered the first half instead of the game by accident. Yeah. <sighs> 
It's bad, man. It's tough. Is your betting app automatically like set to first halves? I know you're a first half guy. No. It, the problem was I was looking at the first half lines for the Miami game and also the Marquette game. And I, it's my mistake. I didn't realize I hadn't gone back to like the full game lines. And so it was cl- so close. I want to say, Jimmy, what was the line for that Rutgers game? It was like two, one and a half right, for the full game. Yep. Yes. Exactly and so when it was. it was plus one, I just thought it was late movement yep. before the game. I didn't think it was a first half line at all. Hey, that, that's that's part of the aspect that doesn't get talked about enough, by the way. Uh, we got an 11 point advantage now for the Scarlet Knights. Things, <laughs> things, are, things are looking sharp. And I took your advice. I put uh, 15 buckaroos on Marquette money line go. at halftime and uh we'll see how things unfold there but brian we talk about the teams and and, and for like higher seeded teams you know how this is they want to win their conference but but it's a tune-up it's the little taste and the flavor of what next week when when the lights are shining for march madness hold it's the same for betters you you iron out yeah. those 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 kinks of okay <laughs> we're trying to get a couple bets in before the horn ah it was the first half well Hey, now round of 64 next week, you're you're more polished, you're more fine-tuned. It's a learning experience across the board. I'll tell you, I didn't think about it like this until now. The worst of the bad beats is knowing you have won the bet and then finding out yeah. that you somehow entered it incorrectly. Or didn't bet it, didn't process <laughs> or go through. Yeah, I'm right there, like, right there with you. You're like, all right, we scored a touchdown, we're in, we got it. And then you're like, oh no, somehow I bet the other <laughs> team. I don't know how that happened. Oh gosh. How many times have you done that, Jimmy? A handful. Usually yeah. it's it's like I, it looked like the bet process, and maybe I'm like, okay, it's good, and I move on to something else. But then it like hit me actually, and I stayed a little longer with all oh, the odds changed. It's like, oh, all right, well, <sighs> missed out. It's rough right there, rough right there. Speaking of rough, coming up next, I blame this man for a lot of the problems of this league. We'll get to that. I'm Brian. No, he's Brendan King. It's nine oh three. It's ninety three five and one oh seven five. The fan. I'm Brian. No, he's Brendan King here on the fan. So. uh... Something interesting happened in the NBA last night, Brendan, and it speaks to a larger issue. So Fred Van Vliet with the Toronto Raptors, he's not happy with the officiating of one Ben Taylor, okay? Toronto lost to the Clippers by eight points last night, and Van Vliet went on the rampage over here. Now now listen to this, and I'll get to... The, the dude I'm pointing the finger at over here. Here's Fred Van Vliet. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, Ben Taylor was f- terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just f- the game up, you know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple <laughs> couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bull tech, changes the whole dynamic of the game, changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be d- and um, just kind of f- the game up. Nobody's coming to see that. D-. They come to see the players. And um, I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the NBA is and was. And um, it's been disappointing this season. I mean, okay, so he went in on Ben Taylor. The first thing I think of, Brendan, is Adam Silver. Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, has no spine whatsoever. Now we have players blasting officials by name, like repeatedly by name. David Stern, when he was the commissioner, 
He would have come close to giving Van Vliet a stone-cold stunner if something like this happened. And now it's just sort of like, eh, you'll probably have a fine from Fred Van Vliet, but there's not this sort of, there's a guy in charge here, you know, with, with David Stern. Think about the John Morant situation here as well, where he was seen in a nightclub with a gun and some of the other run-ins, certainly one of them traces back to the Pacers. And there was like this red laser and some of the Pacers crew thought that John Morant and his friends, they they were maybe pointing a gun at them. If David Stern, like right now, John Morant has missed two games. He's going to miss four more. He could end up missing six games for that. And that's it. You go back to Gilbert Arenas when he was waving a gun around in a locker room. He got 50 games for that. Like we might have John only have six games for that. It's just night and day. Adam Silver compared to David Stern. And I think with Adam Silver being so pro, uh, so like player friendly, it's gone too far and they're taking advantage of it. It's almost like if you have kids that are acting up and you have weak parenting, what do you think is going to happen? The kid's just going to act up more. And I think you're seeing some of that in the NBA these days. Well, number one, I was going to say, well, Fred Van Vliet probably has the base fine coming and then. You know, is it an extra 10K per bleep, <laughs> you know, for, for every curse word used? I mean, that was a that was a curse-ridden monologue there by him. And then secondly, you know, if Adam Silver ends up becoming the CEO of Disney, I guess he doesn't have to worry about Mickey Mouse going off in a, in a post-game presser like that, you know. So, hey, there might be more new, uh, new management on the way if Silver actually goes to Disney. Yeah, uh, he hasn't gotten everything wrong. I love the take foul thing like there are no take files anymore take files are down 87 percent so you actually see fast breaks and nba players doing high flying things that's been a good change but the last two minute report has been stupid (laughs) all it does is like say it's official you got screwed and it makes the officials look terrible in the process that hasn't worked taking it way too easy on load management hasn't worked taking it way too easy in many other instances hasn't worked like he came in like a lion, like, you know, uh, who was the, the commissioner over there with the, the not the commissioner, the team owner of the, the Clippers that he got rid of? What's the name of the guy? Sterling. Like, Sterling. Donald Sterling, get out of here. We're like, whoa, new sheriff in town. And since then, he's like, yeah, you know, it's okay. Do what you want. Lame. He has no spine whatsoever. We're going to get to somebody who has a spine. James Boyd. He covers the Colts for the Athletic. Talking some horseshoe. Around the corner. It's Brian No and Brendan King here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. He's Brendan King here on The Fan. Thanks for joining us today. By the way, Brendan, what kind of music do you get down with? What's the go-to genre for you? Well, I'm at two very different opposites of the spectrum because I've been a Drake fan since I was in high school. Way back uh-huh. with like Take Care, nothing was the same. But also my grandma's favorite music ever was frank sinatra and she played that anytime i went over to her house so frank and drake two different sides how about you <laughs> um wait wait, okay, wait, wait, wait 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 before you answer because i wanted to do this game and i couldn't do it will you guess will you guess what type of music you think that brian's into before <laughs> because because i i don't know that i would have guessed this but but okay. but once he explained it, and as I've worked them more, like I I, I get it. It fits yeah. your personality. Okay, I'll guess. Uh, can, can I ask you one thing, Jimmy? Is it is it something that I would not necessarily 
I don't think you and I have ever listened to it for more than a passing glance. Oh, that's that's a big hint right there. That's a big hint. Mm. All right, I'm down to two. Give me five more seconds. I'm going to guess heavy metal. It's exactly it. Really? Heavy, yes. Wow. My okay. So what? Okay. Heavy metal. Are we? Ta- what band are we talking? We talk. Is Metallica heavy metal to you, or is? Oh that- yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the old stuff when they had testicles. Still, yes. Yeah. <laughs> They've been neutered ever since then. I don't know what happened to Metallica. Can we but- say that on the radio? We just did. Okay, yeah. man. Hey, hey, Jay, man. Hey, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just the filling guy. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I go know- to baseball next month. So. No, I love Metallica, man. They're older stuff. They have so much good stuff. And look, every now and then you see a glimpse. You see a glimpse of their studly ways. They're like, you know, let's make a cool song out of nowhere. You know, they'll do that every now and then. So were you, uh, I mean, my all-time favorite pitcher is Mariano Rivera. So uh-huh. love, love the Enter Sandman. Oh, yeah. Great intro. Oh, the awesome best. intro. Only for, the best. Yeah, that was really cool. All right, let's go out to James Boyd. Covers the Colts. For The Athletic, joining us here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, James, how how many questions about the Colts quarterback situation would you guess you faced to this point, and how many more would you guess you'll face until draft night on April 27th? Oh, man. If I add them all up um, between real life and the Internet and text messages and whatever the case may be, I'm sure it's in the hundreds, and there are going to be hundreds more just because everyone knows in this league, quarterback matters more than any other position, probably not only in the NFL, but just in sports and American sports in general. I mean, you get a great quarterback, that changes things. You get a bad one, that changes things as well. Hey, James, it's Brendan. At the NFL Combine, when you were listening to Chris Ballard, I want to focus on Ballard first because I know it's still your first number of years on the Colts beat but you've been around Ballard enough where I'm sure you can pick up things about him. And I I think in that first press conference, he was really trying to keep things close to the vest. But a lot of times with an emotional guy like Ballard, or I guess an Ursa too, it's it's sometimes easy to read them in specific cases. So what, what were you reading off of Chris Ballard from his combine press conference? Did you pick anything up that has you leaning one way or another about what's going to happen? I think he wanted to try to maintain as much leverage as he could. I don't know how well that'll work because everyone knows Andy needs a quarterback and if they want a quarterback. But I thought it was very interesting that he came out and said, you know, everyone in the world saying we're going to trade up and everyone everyone thinks we're going to just give the Bears whatever. And he didn't say the Bears specifically. He was just saying trading up. But um, I think that he was trying to downplay um, the need and the notion that they're going to move up. But at the end of the day, we all know – if you think there is a guy that you fall in love with, you cannot wait um, at number four. A lot can happen between one and three um, before you get your shot to pick. And so if you have someone you believe in, if it's, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or someone else, um, those two I think are, are probably the more the ones you probably lean more toward trading up for. You got to do it. Now, will he say that, you know, at the combine? Absolutely not, and he shouldn't. Um, you have to evaluate these quarterbacks. You have to see what the market is as far as trading up. You have to kind of maintain as much mystique as you can. But, um, yeah, I thought he was just giving us a little lip service there for sure. <laughs> you know, James, it's funny, man. You talk about getting those hundreds of questions about the quarterback situation, and I get that. But I'm laughing to myself 
picturing you getting that one random text message of someone like, hey, man, what are we doing at linebacker, though? Or whatever it is. So <laughs> the question is, outside of quarterback, what's the next position that most fans are interested in figuring out what the Colts are going to do? Yeah, I don't really know if it's fans. I feel like I have to remind them and myself, like, hey, there's more to this thing than just a quarterback. And I actually put out a, a list of 10 prospects kind of caught my eye at the combine besides the quarterbacks. Obviously, everyone was there for every year. It's always a quarterback-driven um, combine. But I think that the areas of improvement for the Colts in particular are, you know, defensive end. they got to upgrade there. they got to upgrade on the offensive line. John Michael Schmitz from uh, Minnesota is he a future Ryan Kelly replacement? I know when Chris Ballard mentioned, you know, people he you know sees being still good football players and guys he believes in, he mentioned Quentin Nelson, he mentioned Braden Smith, he did not mention Ryan Kelly. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but um, it's obvious that he did not have the season that he's used to having, the season that earned him that big extension. And do you explore moving on from him in some capacity? So I think that there's other positions of need, obviously, but – I could even keep going. You know, wide receiver, you need some upgrades. Cornerback, you need upgrades. Um, you know, where you're looking at safety if Rodney McLeod doesn't return. So there's a lot of um, factors that can help this football team as far as different personnel beyond quarterback. But, again, no one cares until they get the quarterback. So I feel, I feel like I'll be relieved after, you know, April 27th when they draft a quarterback and then everyone else can kind of, you know, say it's bad or good, whoever they chose, when they get into the meat and potatoes of the rest of the draft. James, I think one of the Achilles heels, especially of last year, and this was clear, especially when the Saturday hire was made, but just about a whole wealth of things was just the three-headed monster of Ursay, Ballard, and Coach were not on the same page. Well, now you bring in Shane Steichen, and really from everything I've watched from Steichen interviews, I don't know about you, it's been pretty general, and I don't think he's given too much away. It's been pretty vanilla, to be honest with you, but do you at least get a sense that coach, GM, and owner right now are at least on the same page in what they're thinking? Yeah, I think obviously that was a unique relationship that they had last season. I don't think anyone could have predicted it would have gone the way it went. And the decisions that were made were obviously uh, questionable, to say the least. But I think now you make a lot of conscious decisions to build this thing the right way. And obviously Shane Steichen was brought in because he has a great um, quarterback history. Now, that's not the only reason he was brought in, but that had to be one of the deciding factors. And then you look at the staff he brought in around him, they have a bunch of quarterback experience as well. So I think now it's just a case of, you know, Jim Irsay trusting Chris Ballard and trusting the quarterback, the quarterback, I'm sorry, the coach that he hired and believing that together that they can, you know, find someone who will kind of lead them out of the darkness. Now, I think it would behoove Jim Irsay to kind of keep his hands off of things. Um, but at the same time, obviously the owner is going to have that final say as far as who you're going to draft. And I think that, you know, things can change a lot between now and the draft just because you'll have more time to see these guys. You'll have the top 30 visits. You'll have pro days and things like that. Um, however, I think that they have to be on the same page. If they're not now, will they ever be? But I think that, that this is a chance to get on the same page, um, start anew, kind of put that last season behind you and never think of it again ever. I know I probably won't or at least I'll try to, but uh, yeah, we'll see from there. <laughs> James, we circle back to the quarterback situation. I know you couldn't have seen this coming, but what about this scenario where Lamar Jackson, he can negotiate with any team, and I, I don't get a whole lot of buzz here in Indianapolis 
Are, are you getting buzz? Because it just seems like it, it's not really on the radar of Colts fans. I don't know if it's on the radar of the Colts organization, but it doesn't seem to be with the fan base. What are you getting as far as Lamar being able to negotiate with any team and the Ravens being able to offer uh, to be able to, to match that offer? Yeah, I think, um, first off, uh, I kind of threw the question out there in a poll on Twitter and a lot of the fans um, seem too uh, gung-ho about that. But I think as an organization, as a franchise, you at least have to inquire. That's kind of my stance on it. I know the culture in a unique situation, unlike other teams, because they've been scarred you know, by the perpetual veteran quarterback. And it's crazy to say that Lamar Jackson is a veteran, but he is. He's just young. But I do think if the price is two first-round picks – which is something that you might have to let go of to move up to number one, you should at least look at the proven entity as well. Now, I know um, he's asking for a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money. He's coming off injuries. Um, but one thing I will say, and actually Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports put out a great piece. I would encourage everyone to read it about Lamar's contract. He talked to some agents off the record and got their you know mindset and just the whole ins and outs of this thing. And so it's not as cut and dry as you think. And so that's why I think that the Colts should at least inquire and see – you know, how much would it take to get an MVP who's only 26 years old, who obviously, when healthy, is one of the most dynamic players in the league? Now, I'm not saying you go out and do that, but I don't think you should just dismiss it like other teams have reportedly done it. And so that's my stance on Lamar, and then you take it from there. But it's hard for me to, like, just say don't even look at the guy. I mean, he's special. James, one of the topics that we've been discussing, though, about Lamar Jackson is, you know, if the Colts' offensive line plays like it did last year, it doesn't really matter – who the quarterback is going to be because they're either one at risk of getting hurt or two at risk of just being constantly pressured. Are the Colts going to be happy enough to keep a Bernard Ryman at left tackle for a starting role going into this year? Or is there a chance that they could go back to a veteran route like an Eric Fisher? And that's just, you know, as an example from a number of years ago, are, are they happy having a young left tackle knowing that the quarterback is also probably going to be a young guy. Yeah, I think that they're pretty high on Ryman right now. He showed some progress throughout the season, showed some strides where he did look like he improved. You could see that. However, I wouldn't be you know too comfortable going into the season saying, hey, it's his job to lose or it's absolutely his job. No, I think that they should bring in um, you know veteran talent to at least challenge him and have sort of some competition at left tackle going throughout training camp leading up to the season because, like you all said, you have to be able to protect your entity. You can't draft a quarterback, and obviously that's a great decision to make. You know, you believe in that guy, but if you can't protect him, if you can't protect him in the most valuable spot on the offensive line outside of center, I mean, what are you doing? And so I think that that should be um, something that you explore. And I think Bernard Rummer will welcome that. He wants to get better. He was pretty candid. It was kind of funny, I think, maybe because of him not being – uh, uh, brought up through the American sports way. Maybe he's a, a little more candid than he should be. He hasn't been, uh, you know, taught not to say anything to the media, but he, he would admit, like, hey, I wasn't good on this play. This will not cut it, or I could have improved here. I could have stepped here and did this, you know, to counter that move. And so I know that he wants to soak all that stuff in, but at the same time, you can't just bank on him being something that he may not be right now, which is why I think they made a mistake at last season. Um, not only with him, but just a few spaces on that offensive line. You know, obviously Matt Pryor had a rough season. And, again, these were questions that Chris Ballard were, was asked about going into the season. He sort of dismissed him and they came back to bite in the biggest way because, I mean, you look at the offensive line that regressed overall, but 
giving up 60 sacks is just something you can't repeat, you know, and have success in this league. Hey, James, really appreciate the time today, man. Good visit with you. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. I would encourage everyone to check out my mock draft 2.0. Got the Colts taking Anthony Richardson. Everyone's killing me for that. But as I remind everyone out there, man, it's make-believe. Hey, I figure with all the hype around him, let's explore, you know, bringing him to Indy. Um, Obviously, that's not a report, as some uh, fans like to say. It's just make-believe. It's something to get the juices flowing. And it is in the realm of possibility, so I do want to kind of put that out there, that the kid, I mean, if you believe in Shane Steichen that much, Maybe you do look at him. He is mm. unbelievable, you know, looking at him. Now, play-wise, we'll see. But um, Courage, I want to check that out and, and yeah. keep him keep with me. I promise it'll get more fun as we keep going. By the way, James, real fast, what's the clicks to Steichen ratio? Like, I know you can, you can back this up in Steichen. He's worked wonders with many different styles, and you can back it up with Richardson there. But there's also the clicks factor. You know that's going to get some clicks. So what's the ratio between clicks and Steichen for that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I'll be transparent um, and not give you some political answer. There is a part of me with every mock draft I've done. I've got two so far. I've got two more to go where I'm like, do I just go the safe route that'll probably happen or might be the most likely outcome? Or do I pour gasoline on this thing and get everyone to click on my stuff and yell at me or engage in dialogue? I'm not going to lie. I usually choose the latter where, you know, you can, you can have some fun with it. And I think that's a, a, a safe space to do so. I think it seriously, obviously, I think that there is, again, a possible outcome of this happening. Um, but, yeah, I don't think too much about, you know, how realistic is it? You know, how can you know right now? I just think that for myself, if I'm going to rile you up a little bit, I might as well have some fun with it. If I'm going to sit and pick, you know, eight or nine guys in a draft and look up all these different bios, I'm not going to just pick the safest route anytime. I think that that's also an indicator of what the Colts should kind of do. I don't think that they should, you know, settle in any sense of the word. I don't think that, you know, you can look at four quarterbacks and say, oh, we'll just get whoever's left. If you feel like you, you have one that you believe in, you have to go up and get them. And so, um, you know, I feel like that's kind of my proceeds, my drafts, you know, figure out a way to get everyone talking and um, not play it too safe. Hey, man, good stuff. Appreciate the honesty. But uh, hopefully we'll catch up again sometime soon, James. We'll catch you later, bud. Sounds good. You all have a good one. All right, you too. There he is, James Boyd. Covers the Colts for The Athletic. Yeah, we got some, uh, man, close, down to the wire here. Update you on uh, Marquette and St. John's. Looks like they're going to overtime. There's uh, all kinds of stuff that was happening there in the final 20 seconds or so. Turnover, steal, (laughs) foul, bucket. (laughs) It looks like we're going to overtime, even though there was almost a foul on an air ball turned into an alley-oop. Horrific possession. Horrific (laughs) possession of late-game basketball by Marquette there. Sorry there, Jimmy. He's He's on Marquette to win this game outright, but they almost did it at the end of regulation. Looks like it's going to overtime. Yeah, that's where we're at. I mean, look, I'll be honest. There is a little, little, uh, that was part of my bet talking there, but honestly, as an unbiased fan of the game, uh, not, not what I wanted to end the game, a step back contested on your own sideline, uh, 30 footer for the, for the win. Not not what I was looking for there, but what are you going to do? Not what you're looking for. I love the honesty from James saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm thinking about clicks when I have the Colts in my latest mock draft getting Anthony Richardson. I, I'm glad that he just put it out there like that because he could have BSed us and oh, no, 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 that's, that's what I'm hearing in league circles. And he's like, I, you know, it's possible and I can back it up a little bit and people are going to engage with in conversation. So I get that. It's kind of an interesting time right now, uh, Brendan, where 
if you think about it, sometimes there are clicks during radio shows and you never quite know. It's like, did they believe this or are they just trying to get a reaction? You know what I mean? I'll tell you, I absolutely believe, and this isn't to see you turn from, you know, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your beautiful, you know, tan tone to just bright red, seething angry. But I really do think Will Levis out of Kentucky will be better than Bryce Young. But the point is, but the point is, I mean, you might have some of that same thing on the air as well, where someone knows they're just going to get a reaction and they roll with that. You don't know what they truly believe. That's, that is what I truly believe. I do think Will will be better. Did you ever give a reason why yesterday, though? Yeah, I did. I gave like five. What I, was I the number one? Working on listening, but what was okay. the number one? I really don't think we got a legitimate reason, though. What was the number one reason? Uh, we did. You gave many. Uh, we could go down the. the what list. was your top reason, though? The top reason for I, I don't know how I would exactly rank the reasons, but uh, one of the main reasons I, I put them in no certain order, but I, I love that. He's got the frame. You're talking about a 6'3 dude around 220 or so. Like, that is a frame that's built to last in the NFL. Huge arm, also accurate. I mean, it doesn't do you any good to be one of these guys with a huge arm and no accuracy. He's more accurate than he's given credit for. He's at 65% there, career completion rate, which is pretty good in college. But you have receivers that aren't separating a lot at Kentucky, in the SEC. So I think a lot of these people that just look at his numbers, they're not looking at it the right way. you got to consider who you're surrounded by and who you're going against, and that's going to greatly impact your numbers. So there are many reasons that I like Will Levis. Some athletic ability as well, can move around, keep a play alive. A lot of reasons to like him. But if I'm comparing him to Bryce Young, the frame is the main thing that stands out night and day between the two. So Paxton Lynch should have been a good quarterback, is is what you're saying? Yeah. No, I'm really not saying that at all. Uh, Kentucky but. went three and five in the SEC last year. I understand that they don't have as much talent as Alabama, but I'll say the same thing I did to you yesterday, Brian. Is that when Will Levis transferred from Penn State after two years, he threw more picks than he did touchdowns, and he completed about 600 yards. He could not go to a premier program. Uh, he went to Kentucky. Yeah. Nobody in a premier program wanted him. Bryce Young was recruited to Alabama because he was one of the top quarterbacks in high school. He went to Alabama and he competed for a national championship. And he competed at that level. He is the guy. He has as good of an arm as Levis. And he's going to perform. You're lost on this one, man. It's like, listen, is it possible Bryce Young turns out to be better than Will Levis? Sure. Absolutely possible. But it's the reasoning. Like, your your position isn't horrible it's the reasoning that's horrible like look at how many drafts i'll give you another one that's that makes sense based on exactly what you're saying right there it could be applied pretty similarly you go back to the what 2018 draft so you have baker mayfield number one overall out of oklahoma and you have josh allen go seventh overall out of wyoming you could play that same game with those two quarterbacks. Of Baker Mayfield was the guy that went to a Power 5 school. Baker Mayfield was the guy that was in the college football playoff and played a sensational game against Georgia in what was a classic there. Josh Allen was the guy at no-name Wyoming without hardly any offers whatsoever who didn't put up big numbers there either. And look how Baker Mayfield and how Josh Allen have fared in the NFL. And what takes it a step further is 
Think about Baker Mayfield, like Bryce Young in terms of being undersized a little bit. Think about Josh Allen and Will Levis frame-wise being similar. So this idea of they weren't good enough to get recruited and wooed by the big schools, so therefore what? They're not good enough in the NFL? Like That's been disproven time and time and time again. So I just don't agree with the argument at all. Young could be better than Levis. Sure, it's possible, but the way you're backing it up just makes no sense based on NFL actual history. That's cool, man. I mean, Will Levis, his top three games last year, Brian, were on September 3rd, September 17th, and September 24th. He threw for 303 yards, 377 yards, and 303 yards. Those three opponents were Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, and Northern Illinois. Dude, it sounds just he did not like have a three hundred yard game. He did not have a three hundred yard game against an SEC team. We we played the same game. With Except Josh, Josh Allen. Allen didn't play in the SEC. Josh okay, Allen played, yeah, which which makes it even tougher for Will Levis. Will Levis threw for a hundred yards against Vanderbilt. They lost by a field goal. Cool. <laughs> okay. Vanderbilt stinks. Yeah, they do. But does that mean Will Levis can't get it done in the NFL? He can't lead his team with more proper talent to a win against Van. He threw for 100 yards against the worst team in the SEC, and the week before that completed 13 passes against Missouri. We did the same thing with Josh Allen where you go back. I have to look it up. I don't. The games, but when they played I'm not against even good compa- teams, Brian, I'm not comparing nothing. him to Josh Allen. Josh no, no, Allen played against mostly crap opponents. And the only time that Will Levis succeeded last year was against crap opponents. Okay, you have the opposite happening. Look at guys like Jameis Winston. You didn't like Colt McCoy yesterday. That's fine. I was just making the point that Colt McCoy won a lot in college. Doesn't always translate to the NFL. We'll take a guy number one overall. Jameis Winston won a national championship. Was a turnover machine in the NFL. He put up numbers at Florida State. He was a Heisman winner. Look at Marcus Mariota. Mariota went number two in that same draft. He went to a national championship game. They did a ton of winning at Oregon. He hasn't been close to special in the NFL. So the opposite holds true as well. You could give me quarterbacks at big programs that put up big numbers, that won big games, had a lot of wins, and they didn't do jack in the NFL. It doesn't seamlessly transition from one level to the next. And there are guys like Will Levis where you look at their college production and say, oh, man, that leaves a lot to be desired. You look at the win-loss rate, oh, gosh, what are they doing in this one? And all of a sudden, they're balling in the NFL because they have the tools to make it. It happens. So I don't know why you would just automatically dismiss it and hang everything on a random Saturday afternoon against Vanderbilt when who knows what's at play. Maybe he's I'm not hanging it Maybe on a random Saturday afternoon. I'm saying the only three games he threw for 300-plus yards last year were against Northern Illinois, Youngstown State, and Miami of Ohio. Other than that, he did not perform, Bryant. Mm, against superior, mostly, SEC competition. Against they had superior they played, talent Brian, most of the time. Brian, they played two top 10 games last year. Two. Georgia and Tennessee. Two. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> with Kentucky going up against other SEC teams... You, you don't think it's their Kentucky was a middle-of-the-road division team in the SEC. They played two games against two top-ten teams. Other than that, now okay. they did play other ranked games. Don't get me wrong. They oh, played other they ranked did. games. They oh, played they, other ranked games. Interesting. 
Got it. But they were against teams right around them in that middle of the pack of the SEC. Mm, okay. All right. So they played look, two top 10 games. They're playing, look, they played what? Against number one, Georgia. They and number three, number Tennessee. Three, Tennessee. They played against, at the time, number 12, Florida, number 14, I, Ole Miss. I said, number 16, I said two top State. 10 games. I said well, they had three. other ranked games, man. Yeah, they had other ranked games, also playing South Carolina. South Carolina turned it on at the end of the season. South Carolina beat Clemson. They gave Notre Dame a tough test in the bowl game. They had a couple of top five wins at the end of the season. Like, this is not a cakewalk. If you're at Kentucky playing an SEC schedule, and so you got to take that into account instead of just, I'm, I'm talking about people in general, not just you specifically, Brendan, but these people that are like, the Will Levis naysayers and looking at all oh, 19 touchdowns and oh this and not, it's like bro he's at Kentucky going up against an SEC schedule that leaves a lot to be desired of course the numbers aren't gonna just fly off the page like this guy's from the future it, it's gonna leave a lot to be desired and understandably so in my opinion is how I see it but Look, we'll yell at each other a little bit later in the show, I, I, I would imagine. All right, coming up next, let's get back to the Colts over here, okay? Mike Wells, former ESPN Colts reporter. He will join the conversation. I'm Brian No, He's Brendan King. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Brendan King here on The Fan. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. Championship week. The sweats that are involved with championship week is our guy, Jimmy. He's on Marquette to beat St. John's, and Marquette has a two-point lead with 3.6 seconds to go. Johnny's have the ball. I, I love these moments, man. You a big championship week guy, Brendan? I would imagine you are. Oh, I love champ week, but I also I love feast week. Feast week during Thanksgiving when you can sit down and have a plate of Thanksgiving leftovers and watch a game at 11 a.m. for seventh place in Hawaii. I mean, amazing. Wow, you get down with hoops on Thanksgiving, huh? Oh, always, man. That, that's the thanks. That and uh, the start of hockey season is big Thanksgiving in the King family. Wow, man, you're better than me. I don't even think about hoops on Thanksgiving. That is all ball. That are you not a? Uh, are are you not like a uh, college basketball guy until March? No, I pay attention more than just March, but because I know people who are <laughs> like that, I get it. Yeah, I get when, it. When it's Thanksgiving, though, I. <sighs> Bro, I have no idea college hoops is even being played on Thanksgiving. (laughs) Did you hear this too? Um, Amazon for Black Friday, like the day after Thanksgiving, will have an NFL game on now uh, the day after Thanksgiving, and you can stream it for free on Amazon. I guess that's going to be the deal this coming season is uh, we get a freebie over there. You don't have to have a subscription to check it out. But NFL, like, hey, why don't we own this day, too? We own Thanksgiving. Now we own Christmas. Eh, let's own Black Friday as well. Uh, we'll see what else they set their sights on. We've got Mike Wells, former ESPN Colts reporter, joining us here on the fan right now. Mike, um, I'm going to ask you, do I have permission to ask you a very nerdy question to begin with? Uh, you you okay can ask with me that? a nerdy question because I'm going to roast you guys in this segment. So, <laughs> oh, oh, I have no part of this, Wells. Huh. No part of this. Roast us first. What, what is the no, roasting? No, 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 no. It's, it's your show, so you go ahead and ask me your nerdy question first. Okay, nerdy question. I'm going to ask for percentages, okay? And I need a, just a rough estimate. Just ballpark it for me. What would you say the percentage chance is that the Colts – Get Bryce Young. What would you say the percentage chance is that the Colts pull a stunner and somehow end up with Lamar Jackson? 
Man, th- hey, there's, there's a better chance of me becoming a permanent 12 to 3 host than that happening, <laughs> man. All right? There is, there, is a per- there is a permanent chance, a better chance of that happening oh than the Colts hand- handling Lamar Jackson. And I'm not leaving my cush job down here in Bloomington to go <laughs> hang out for 12 to 3. Even though I do have to say, you guys have been rotating guest hosts for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, I- we need to let the proper people know that I am free on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> If they need to rotate and have somebody else in there, uh, I, I feel I feel insulted that I have not gotten an invite to come in and help co. I don't even need to host a show by myself. I just want to fill in. Well, and you wouldn't. Co-host. You wouldn't. So, man, I I just feel like you know I, I'm like chopped liver or something. That I, I can't get that invite. Uh, Wells, I, I you know I have no control over that, but opening day in South Bend is April seventh, so I, I'm. I'm getting out of here, so maybe you could take my spot. No, no, no. That's okay. I don't, I don't want sloppy seconds. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It, it, it is okay. No sloppy seconds needed. Uh, I, and I say that jokingly, fellas. You guys you guys know I can't come on and I give you all a hard time. Always. Always. Uh, we love you, Wells. Hey, I was actually listening. Uh, this is shocking, by the way. I was listening to your ESPN national show a, f- a few days ago. Maybe it was last week. Uh, it was late. I don't know why I was driving, but I was out, so I, I had the fan on, and then here's Mike Wells, like, oh my god! But I, I, I don't. I just want to let you know, I don't say we when I talk about my sports teams. I mean, listen, Aaron I don't. I don't. Who's in, he's in Cleveland, and he is all. He basically probably has Cleveland Browns underwear on all the time, man. He, I couldn't believe when he he thought it was okay to say we. No way. Uh, for, Never. For, yeah, that, yeah. I, I could. I was insulted. He lost all integ- integrity with me. I was and, Team uh, Wells, that? brother. I was Team Wells. And that's why you're my guy, Brent. That's why I always, when I would see you at the Bullet Women's Games, I would come up and talk to you, man. I came and sought you out because you're such good people. <laughs> wow. Honored. I like I Mike. Did, I, did, I, did, I did tell Bone, Kevin Bone was just in my class. And I said, yeah, I'm about to hop on with, hop on with Brandon. And I did it on purpose because you remember <laughs> I was screwing up and calling you oh, Brandon come on. Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you got these opinions. Mike, you're not like this fence sitter over here. So with the quarterbacks of the soon-to-be rookies, who's your guy? Who do you like the most? All right, I'm going to give you my scenario. I'm going to tell you who I like the most, and I'm going to tell you what's going to be – it would be comical if it happens. I'm, I'm sipping the C.J. Stroud juice, even though Ohio State um, has a problem producing NFL starting quarterback, franchise quarterbacks. I love – what C.J. Stroud did against Georgia – Showed that okay, it doesn't matter how good your defense are, he's capable. Yes, he had NFL caliber receivers that he was throwing to, but I like what he has. I'll say this if the Chicago Bears stay at number one, and then let's just assume, you know, uh, Houston takes either CJ or Bryce, what would be seriously comical is if Frank Rice said, you know what, let's leapfrog the Colts at number four. And, uh, and and get the pick at Arizona at number three and take, you know, either Stroud or um, Young. And that leaves the Colts with, you know, trying to choose between Will Levis or Anthony Robinson. I think that would – because I, I think there's a, a drop-off between, you know, when you go from Stroud and Young. Um, that, that would be like Frank Reich saying, yep, you, fi- you fired my ass, but I'm going to get you back and get my quarterback. It's interesting stuff. Wells – one thing that we've been talking about, though, and, and I've brought up is if, if the Colts' offensive line looks like it did last year, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that, that offensive line. You talk about regressing. 
I mean, Chris Brown talks about, you know, protecting the trenches on both sides of the ball. That old line was horrible. It was flat out bad. And, yes, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith took a step back. Uh, I've actually felt bad for Ballard because he says he likes to take care of his own. And he gave those those guys earned that second contract. It's like they got that second contract and said, "We're gonna go to the buffet and become fat cats and not worry about working hard anymore." Yeah. Because I was not I was not too impressed with with those three. And we already know how bad it's been at left tackle uh, for them since Anthony Casando retired. Who's the quarterback that you're out on of the top prospects, Mike? If there is one, man, I. I I just think Anthony Robinson, he could be a good quarterback, but he's not going to be. He, he may take the longest to develop. And people are like, oh, my God, did you see how high he jumped? Okay, I don't care how high you jump. You ain't jumping in a football game. Can you read a defense? Can you make the right throws? Can you do what it takes to be a franchise player? I don't care if you can freaking jump 75 feet in the air. Well, is there is there a sure thing here? Because actually, let me word it like this. Do, do the Colts have to go to one to get their guy? I think so. I think so. And listen, if I'm Chris Ballard, the pressure's on me. I'm doing whatever it takes because I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I'm tired of uh, watching them reta- uh, rotate quarterbacks and trying to find and try to find that guy. I'm, t- I'm tired of seeing that out there and uh, see, seeing that situation. So yeah, I would do whatever it takes. And uh, hey, listen, my good guy Zach Keeper just walked in the classroom, and he's trying to kick me out of his class. Can you oh guys boy. believe that? <laughs> Zach, we're on the air. Hey, no, hey, this, no, this, yeah, this is uh, Brendan Cook and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on, listen, hey, <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Brendan King with with Jimmy Cook as a producer. Um, but no, I w- I would do whatever it takes because you guys know how it is, man. We have watched this quarterback situation made a disaster. I mean, I tell people all the time, they're horrible play at quarterback and revolving door push me push me out of ESPN into teaching full time. <laughs> uh, before you go, Mike, what's the roasting that needs to take place here, man? Oh man, you know what? I actually I I, I like. I like I like I like Brandon I like Jimmy so they they deserve a free pass those are those are my guys man uh-huh. I think Brandon has done a hell of a job at Butler he's going to be a future TV star you and I this is our first interacting so give me some time I'm gonna start making fun of you like I make fun of everybody else. <laughs> fair enough man fair enough I like it no problem with that uh, well hey Mike thanks for popping on today good stuff and I look forward to you making fun of me in the near future. All right. Hey, Brendan, Jimmy, you guys have a good one. And uh, listen, like I said, I'm available Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Hint, hint, hint. We'll take it down, Wells. All right, fellas. Y'all be good. Thanks, man. All right. There he is, Mike Wells, former ESPN Colts reporter. And uh, <laughs> I like that, man. Uh, I love the, Wells. What is it? The squeaky wheel gets the grease? You know what I mean? That's what they always say. Is you got to put yourself out there, man. If you're just going to be twiddling your thumbs waiting for the phone to ring, it might not be ringing. So I like that. I don't, well, I, I don't know if it's going to be ringing because Kevin would probably like hack that phone call to make sure it doesn't it fails down to Bloomington, <laughs> honestly. So <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Coming up. Shockingly, shockingly more stuff I disagree with. I know it's uh, this question of it, it doesn't matter. No, it matters even more. We'll get to that. And hopefully, hopefully we'll have some, uh, some laughs before we get out of here as well. I'm Brian. Brian. No, he's Brandon King. It's 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I'm Brian No, he's Brandon King here on the fan. 
You know, I'm going to politely disagree with you here, Brendan. Uh, and then we're going to have some fun over here. Uh, you know, wait, I get your point when we're talking about the Colts quarterback situation and you got to have an offensive line. But I would disagree that I've heard this a lot, not just from you. It, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback if your offensive line isn't solidified. I, I don't agree with that at all. Like, There's a difference between a rookie quarterback trying to deal with an offensive line that's a little leaky and a guy like even Lamar Jackson, who I don't think the world of, but he's a veteran and he's elusive. You know what I mean? Like that, that matters. Whether it's a, a daisy fresh rookie trying to figure it out, maybe running for his life or not quite seeing the cornerback blitz or his left guard just got beaten or whatever. Like that's a different deal. Throwing hot in the NFL, trying to stay upright, keeping a play alive. Like, that experience matters. So I get the fundamental point that you got to have the offensive line solidified for whoever is back there. I get that. But you want to have somebody that can, it's like mascara for your face, you know, for the women out there where, you know, you can cover up a couple of flaws and everything looks great. Like that's what happens with the right quarterback play. So I do think it matters who is back there, even if the line isn't the way you want it to be exactly. If Lamar Jackson was a Colt, there would probably be games that he could win in spite of the offensive line being bad if that trend continues. But I'm talking about with an injured Lamar Jackson, well, with an injury history Lamar Jackson, let me clarify, that when the line starts to uh, have holes in it and water's leaking through and you start getting hit, that's when you run into trouble. Okay, we got bets. We got money to make. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's plays is Conference Tournament Championship Week rolls on. We're going to lay the nine for UCLA today, getting off at 3 o'clock as they take on Colorado in the Pac-12 tournament. Going to lay three on Kansas as they battle West Virginia in the Big 12. In the Big 10, second round action, taking Illinois to one of the money line against Penn State. Also going to go the money line route for TCU as they take on Kansas State. That in the Big 12 quarterfinal. Three and two yesterday, seven and four on the week. Plays on Twitter at the Jay Cook. That a boy, Jimmy. What what is it going to take to get you to say what the money line is? As a gambler, I'm so curious every time. Like I'm taking this team on the money line. Like, well, what is it? TCU money line is minus one thirty right now. Illinois uh-huh. on the money line is minus one forty five. The other two spread bets are your standard minus one ten. Okay, all right. Little extra juice. You like the Illini minus one forty five. Like TCU minus one. I do. I do. I like Brad Underwood's group this year, and with TCU, they made me some money this season. I like the matchup against Kansas State. Same kind of thing, though. You are giving up a little bit of a premium. I haven't done this as often this year, Brian, but Uh that might be a live bet warning situation. If you want to wait on TCU, if they get down early, they're down at half, like we did with Marquette earlier today. Sprinkle a little bit on there. There you go. What was Marquette to begin that game? I can't remember exactly. I don't have. I don't remember what they were. I only know what they were at half. I, I think they were minus is, like two twenty. I think yeah, like I, I, that, that was my guess. My guess is they didn't cover the spread. If you bet on them before the game, yeah, right. So in game, baby. Sometimes it's your friend. I like that. So not a lot of of uh, trust in the Colorado Buffaloes over there, huh? No, <laughs> against UCLA. No, 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 not not no, a lot of trust in the in the Buffs. No, get that. I can understand that. Uh, by the way, before my better judgment here, um, I've got to ask you a question here, Brendan. So we were talking about my musical genre of choice. Yes, being heavy metal at the top of the list. I'm all over the place musically, but that's, that's good. No, that's, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, 
what would it be about me where you say, yeah, I could see that. I could see how you get down with some metal over there now. <laughs> Are you asking well, me or Brendan? Because I think I'm it's the asking hi- both of you. I think yeah. it's the I think it's the high energy and the tenacity that you okay. have on your team. Yeah, I think if you listen, if you're a heavy metal guy, you got to bring like the, like, the, the juice, like, right? Yeah. Like if if you could take a personality test for sports talk show hosts, I know we have like only 30 <laughs> seconds here, and they were to say this is what music you should listen to, that that fits for me. I don't know, it just does. I, we should do that tomorrow. Let's do the personality test. I like it. We'll throw out random. Uh, sports radio hosts and say this would be fitting if they hone in on this <laughs> like musical it. genre. That'll be fun. All right, everybody, have a good day. Keep it locked right here. JMV coming up. We'll catch you later here on The Fan.